Welcome to a very special episode of Gundam. This is our 1,000th episode. (laughs) Feels like it. And uh, I'd just like to thank everyone over the uh, centuries who's helped make us uh, popular and has gotten us to this point. Uh, Ever since, you know, a few centuries ago, we had to uh, abandon our bodies to join the hive mind. (laughs) But um, we've still been able to do the podcast, so... We're very happy for that. Uh, no, this this is Chris, and uh, you're listening to episode 50 of Gundam at MAHQ. And even though technically we've had more than 50 episodes because of all of the uh, the specials, this is you know s- still a big milestone because it's our 50th numbered episode. So you know before we uh, get into anything, uh, definitely owe a lot of thanks to all of our listeners who have been with us for nearly three years, and of course to the two men who started it and made it all possible. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. But we expect more out of you listeners. You need to help us get higher and better so we can quit our day jobs. You need to beat up your friends who listen to other podcasts and make them listen to ours while they're recovering in the hospital from your wounds. Exactly. (laughs) Over and over on the same loop. Yep, rip those buttons off that iPod. And buy more products. So, anyway, uh, since this is our special 50th episode, we've brought out uh, some fitting topics. One of them is uh, discussing Gundam Unicorn, the series that doesn't exist. But does. But we discussed it. It doesn't exist, but it does. It doesn't. Because it Uh, doesn't. Sunrise's new new annual Gundam show. (laughs) So we go into our, our thoughts about uh, the first episode that uh, was recently released on, on Blu-ray. And for the other topic, uh, by popular demand, we've brought back uh, Andres Serrato from Tumblepop.com to talk more about Gunpla. And through that one segment, we go through a lot of the different um, Gunpla kit lines like uh, HGUC, uh, Master Grade, Perfect Grade, and a bunch of other assorted varieties. So... That's a great topic that uh, we'll be getting to in a little while. So in a minute, we'll be doing the mailbag. But as usual, first, I will turn it over to Neo for Neo's News. And I'm sure some exciting announcements that he's got for us. Actually, um, in honor of the 50th uh, 50th episode, Mm -hmm. this news is short and bland. So you're expecting grand and glorious? Nope. Not for this. <laughs> Not for this. No, actually, I'm glad that you always strive for mediocrity. <laughs> actually, um, not too much here, but some good news. And um, 
some of it that ties into some things that we've been talking uh, that we will be talking about in this episode. And the first one being um, a article that was submitted to me by Kashu Kaishin Sama, mm-hmm. and this is he posted this on the Neo's listener submitted news articles thread on the Mecha Talk forum under the uh, the Gundam and MHQ tab. Uh, the first one is from the Anime News Network, and this deals with Gundam Unicorn. And it was the number one anime Blu-ray in first week of sales in Japan. What? Yep. It was only beat by uh, the Michael Jackson This Is It Blu-ray, which makes sense. Yeah. If there's something that's going to be Gundam in Japan, it would be Michael Jackson. <laughs> so um, it uh, topped it with uh, over th- uh, 30,000 units. Uh, in the first week, uh, beating such um, Blu-rays as uh, Summer Wars and uh, 2008's Kogias La Lucha the Rebellion R2 first volume. So, yeah, so uh, de- definitely some uh, some good. It's stuff. train wreck anyway, so who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, but that's definitely some great news there, and uh, hopefully by next episode we'll have some information on how it did on the worldwide release because I'm sure. As important as it is for uh, J- uh, Sunrise to know how it did in Japan, I'm sure dealing these, uh, doing the simultaneous uh, worldwide Blu-ray release, um, they want to know what the numbers on that are also too. So, and uh, thank you, Mr. Kaoshin Sama, for his submission. And uh, the next one comes from Jabman025, hey. and this is off the Nikang Nikang Kong Blogspot thing. <laughs> I don't know what this is. It's all these, all these Asian words. Why can't it be American? We live in America. <laughs> half, half the fun is just uh, <laughs> your news is just. Well, bet- uh, between the fact that <clears throat> I'm I'm completely I'm completely in like uh, allergic to Florida mode right now, <laughs> where I have just basically everything is sealed up between my uh, throat and my nose. I can't breathe, mm-hmm. and I have a head full of junk. It's yeah. ridiculous, but um. This is this is actually some really great news. Um, Double O, maybe heard about what? Uh, season one, pretty good. Season two, <laughs> oh god, let's not even go there. <laughs> but it was even though season two sucks so bad, they're able to give it a, they were able to commission a movie. So um, and we were wondering when the Double O movie um, was going to come out, and we've been I know last episode not the. Megacon episode, but the episode previously uh, had an article there, and it showed a lot of the scans, a lot of the the, the screen caps for the the new movie. But uh, we have a release date for the Double O movie, and it is in September 18th of uh, this year. Uh, it's going to be um, premiering in theaters in Japan. So um, I would imagine by what September 19th, um, hopefully, maybe the the cam will be on online. <laughs> um, no thanks. <laughs> but but uh, what about the the amazing title of this movie that was also revealed? Oh yes, Awakening of the Trailblazer. I don't know if this is about the Portland Trailblazers or or maybe the Trailblazer truck or uh, weren't the old pioneers to the West called Trailblazers too? That they, that they were, man. Yeah. So I um, eat Oregon Trail. Who? It's, it's the Oregon Trail. Sentinel died of dysentery. Oh. <laughs> Sets the diet of GNA. Innovators surrounded your wagons. <laughs> Lock-on's gonna have to ford that river. <laughs> <laughs> and if if you go to the link that if, if you go to the link that Mister uh, that Mister Jabman's uh, put on the uh, in the in the Mechatalk forum, 
Um, there's actually a picture of it, and I guess the trailblazer is uh, Setsna because it shows him in the uh, double oak uh, Quantith, and he's getting in the cockpit, and he's kind of looking back like, yeah, I survived GN8. Dude, I thought I, th I thought that was going to be Saji, man. Damn. No. Damn. No. Saji's no. cleaning. Sa Saji's, Saji's flushing out the blue stuff out of the back of the uh, – out of the double O. Awesome. He's cleaning the toilets on the Ptolemy. <laughs> That's he, what he's been reduced to. He's uh, he's he's getting he's getting Ian's uh, boxers clean. Like you punk, you didn't earn your keep around here last time, so you gotta do what we say now. Exactly. Go go clean out the uh, the GN crap from the toilets. Oh man. Nice. <laughs> Setsna just uh, just got out of there, and it was burrito night last night. So. <laughs> Quite the blowout. And, and Sumeragi was hitting the sauce again. Yeah, it was mar it was Margarita Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but um, definitely some good stuff there. So se uh, September eighteenth, maybe the people of Unicorn can maybe follow the trend and give us a date. <laughs> nice. So oh, <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> um, last one. And I'd like to thank Mr. Jabman for his submission. And last one is from a wielder, and this is from the Anime News Network. And uh, one of Chris's favorite designers, um, Kunio Arkawara. You know, uh, the, the diverse things that he does, especially lately, how um, everything is so You mean different. the guy who hasn't been redesigning the F-91 for 15 years? Jeez. Not that guy. He hasn't done that. No. No, not that Somebody else. Uh, seems that he's going to be affiliated with a new project that was announced um, at the Tokyo International Anime Fair, and it's going to be a 52-episode television anime series called Kinhai Senkai Legacies, and it's uh, the story is being created by Sh uh, Shin Kiyobasha, and then uh, the mecha designer is, of course, Kunio Okawara. And the character designer is Daisuke Nakayama, and he did something called Teeny Witches. So I could just imagine what the character the girls are going to look like in this one. And and let me tell you, you know, the the picture of that the the title robot is it, it looks nothing at all like a Gundam. You would not think you know for what a second that it would look anything like a Gundam. It just does not resemble it at all. And ever. Chris and Chris brings up another point, and of course I would encourage everybody to go check out this uh, this link on the news listener submitted news article site and uh, yeah it doesn't it doesn't look anything like um the the gp1 at all does it no <laughs> no there is no resemblance whatsoever and i'm sure there's going to be um no guy with long uh white hair piloting it going <laughs> our, i'm the enemy stupid our, our friend and andres who's um in, in in a later segment he i think he said um it looks like a, a pat labor has sex with the gundam <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to quote him. To quote him. So uh yeah, definitely uh definitely check this out. They also have a, a quick um synopsis of the story and uh kinda seems reminiscent of a lot of robot stuff we've we've seen before, so but uh, What's this average teenager chosen to save the world? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> what is this slacker saves the world again? That's, that's new and never, original. Never 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 heard that one before. Oh, and oh, and his man. name is called Yamato? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that's not like indicative of anything, is it? You no, know, no, uh, no, not at all. I mean, either that or it was. They could have named him Shin too. That would have been real original, also. But <laughs> totally uh, new trope. Yeah, but that's uh, that's it for the news. And I just like to thank everybody for their submissions, and uh, that will take us to the mailbag segment with Chris.
and I'm sure he's All got right. great, lots of great questions for us. Oh, I do. Uh, the first question comes from Jay Quilty, who asks, at the end of Char's counterattack, do Amaro and Char really die? Uh, no, they actually show up in uh, Unicorn. Oh. That's, he, <laughs> he had a smiley face. His actual question. On a more serious note, what are some American shows you guys enjoy? I know, at the least, SBR is a fan of the works of Bruce Timm. And for the record, I think that his man from the DCAU is that wimpy, obsessive guy that steals a construction mech in an early episode of Batman Beyond. <laughs> well, there you, there you go. Um, to, well, the, to be honest, I don't watch that much television. And this may be surprising, but I really don't watch that much television. And there, I, I mean... Uh, if it term in terms of what I watch, a lot of times it's older movies because I like watching older movies and martial art films. And but the last real thing I even was watching that I sat at the, you know, waited it was Battlestar Galactica. Man. And um, yeah, I don't really watch that much television. So I mean, I wish right. I had a better answer. Ooh. So so, so Sobror, uh, tell us what's on your uh, your DVR. Good lord, man! I, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to try not to take up the yeah. whole show with this right here. But will, will um, this just, be? Will just, this, I'll keep it. I'll keep it real simple. I'll, will I'll, the, will I'll, this I'll, be like um, when uh, Jeremy Clarkson read off Jay Leno's cars <laughs> on Top Gear? No, uh, Sobro. So so that we're not here for a couple of hours. All right. Uh, all right. Just tell us what's on the DVR, not why you like it. Okay, um, shows, um, uh, I guess that would bring Chris, shows you mean I'm watching network right or now. cable shows? <laughs> <Yes>. Whatever. <laughs> All right, um, just, just for a side note, I just finished watching The Shield, which was phenomenal. Um, uh, I told you it was. Started, I started watching it months ago. I mean, sorry, um, back when the show aired, I lost track because uh, I lost cable back in season four. Finally got caught up with it, watched the whole show over again. I got to say, it's one of the best endings to the TV show that has ever been done. Mm-hmm. Um and very fulfilling. Lots of clobbering time with Ben Grimm. Hell yeah, dude! <laughs> Freaking Vic Mackey, son. And Cletus, Cletus Van Dam. And Cletus Van Dam. <laughs> um, shows I'm watching now that are on my DVR, of course, Lost, to say the least. I'm really enjoying the season. Not as good as last season, but it's it's heading somewhere, which is really cool. Um, yeah, it's love, heading to the end. <laughs> uh, no, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, I I love show. I love Lost. It's it's all about the journey. Not not I, it, to me. I mean, every episode I, I've enjoyed. Twenty four. Been watching that. It's sad to hear that it's going to be probably its last TV season, but you never know. Are, are you are you are you really sad that it's the end of twenty four? Hey man, I, I only started watching it from season six on, so it's relatively oh, well, you show to me. That's <laughs> six days, huh? Um, <laughs> See, if six you watch it, on. if you watch it from the beginning, then your opinion would be very different. Oh damn, man, this is getting a little long in the tooth to you, huh? Oh, very long <laughs> in the tooth. Damn. Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm always. Floored by Jack Bauer and the and the stuff he's able capable of doing. Um, just started watching Justified on FX. Um, because you know I, the FX dramas are pretty cool. Um, other than that, uh, Spartacus is getting really good. Uh, on stars, it's funny because um, I you mean get, Lucy Lawless's boobs are getting really good uh, every day. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of funny because I started watching that show from Jump, and now I got like ten people sending me emails and texts. Are you watching Spartacus? I was like, get out of town. I was the only one watching it. Now everybody in the world's watching it now. So <laughs> now, now you must hate it. Hey, no, no, I freaking like it. <laughs> I still like it. Uh, <laughs> um, those are some of the dramas I've been keeping up with. Uh, other than that, uh, animated wise, 
Uh, love Gargoyles. Again, um, all the Bruce Tim works. A lot of people don't like Superman the Animated Series. They can go to hell. What is this, 1996? Uh, no, I'm just saying. Oh, uh, we're talking yeah. about right now. now. Right now. I'm just, I'm just, I just had to tell I'm not in, talking like, about the VCR from 1996. <laughs> I'm talking about the DVR in, in 2010. I just <laughs> wanted to throw something animated in there just to, just to, just to level things out. But um, other than that, yeah, those are some of the shows I'm keeping up with at the moment. Okay, so... Mm-hmm. Moving on, um, what I have on on the DVR that that I keep up with, um, watching uh, the Pacific. Yes, I'm watching that too. I'm sorry, I meant to mention that. Uh, Twenty four heroes, Dexter, Lost, Burn Notice, <laughs> Caprica. Yeah, I'm watching that too. Legend Legend of the Seeker, and uh, on the queue. Once I um, get a lot of that stuff done. Uh, Mad Men and Doctor Who. Yeah, Mad Men is something I really want to watch, and Breaking Bad is another show I really want to watch too. And and what's your um take on Legend of the Seeker? Because I guess the 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 fan base is divided. I guess some of the people don't like it because it's not sticking to the books, and then you know some people love it because it's a pretty good adaptation. Well, they can all go to hell. Those people who whine. <laughs> Let me tell you, mm-hmm. if you want to see if you want to see probably the one thing on on the internet that's uh, perhaps even more stupid than um, reading any thread on 4chan. Yeah. Here's, here's what you do. You get your browser open and go to terrygoodkind.com. Right. And then you click through to the fan forum. And they have a thread there. Well, they have a, a sub forum uh, for the show. Right. And every week for the last season and a half, there have been people who go there and do nothing but bitch and complain about how each and every episode has either the most minor or the most major deviations from the books. You know, minor from, you know, oh, they changed this character's hair color to major. Yeah, they made some major changes. But they just bitch incessantly and endlessly about how much they hate the show, how much it sickens them to watch it. Really? How it just keeps butchering the story and the writers just keep making everything up and it's so subpar and how could this thing even exist? Now I have a question for you. The author still watch it. Every single week because they can't <laughs> because they hate they hate it so much they mm-hmm. can't stop watching it and telling everyone how much they hate it and how <laughs> you know each episode is more disappointing than the last. God dang. Well, what about um the author? The author condones the show, right? He doesn't mind the changes, right? I think he condones the paycheck that that. Uh, <laughs> it, it seems that, to be that Sam Raby and, and Robert Tappert gave him. Yeah, I mean it, it, another show that's uh that's that's produced by them along with Spartacus. Um, it's funny because um it's. It's the same situation with True Blood, which its season starts up real soon. A lot of people who read the books, they're like they're crap all over the TV show. But, you know, the author loves the, the TV adaptation. She showed up in one of the episodes. So, I mean, I mean, some people just need to get the stick out their ass. <laughs> they really hey, need you know, as someone who is a devoted follower of the books, I've been reading the books for 12 years. Yeah. I really enjoy the show. I can appreciate the fact that the show is an entirely different creation yeah. Um the books and I don't have to have my little checklist of on page five hundred and ninety two of Wizard's First Rule, Richard said this, but then in episode twelve of Legend of the Seeker he said that and he was standing on the wrong side of the room when he said it and he wasn't wearing the brown vest at the <laughs> Well, it all comes down to this. Why would you want to see the same exact thing you read? Not only that, but yeah. let me tell you, uh, the first few books of um, Sword of Truth mm-hmm. are really, really, really violent. And something that Terry Godkind used to do was have one really nasty, gross-out scene Damn. per book. And this, is, this show's produced for syndication exactly. by, uh, by Disney, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> and I've got to say, uh, 
to the show's credit, especially this season, they've really been pushing to the limits of what that show can do in syndication. Nice. I mean, that show's become pretty damn dark this season, and there's been all, all manner of people uh, getting burned alive and chopped up and having their throats slit and arrows through everywhere and pretty much every sort of thing you could get away with, and I'm quite surprised. You know, I'll have, so. to, I'll have to check it out. I got both um, seasons queued up in my Netflix queue. So, it's, uh, it's a great show, so... That's uh, that's my list, and uh, moving on to our next question, which kind of ties into uh, our topic of unicorn. Our our pal Vent ZX asks, mm. "Do you think that Unicorn seeing a simultaneous international release with both an English and Japanese dub paves the way for more simultaneous releases in a similar manner? If so, do you think this is something only possible with OVAs like Unicorn, or is there any possibility for full fledged series to get this treatment?" Not airing on TV, but simultaneous home video releases. It's only gonna it's it only it's only gonna work if it's successful financially. That's the that's the biggest thing, and the only way that it'll be successful financially is if everybody out there goes out and buys this stuff. You just can't sit there and say, "Oh, well, this is good and it's gonna happen," because these companies aren't gonna do it unless, in the end, they're making money off of it. Because I'm I'm sure it probably increases their cost a little bit to do something like this so yeah what i would say is if you really like something uh you have to do this crazy notion of not just watching the fan sub you have to actually go out and and show it with your with your cash so it really depends on um on how unicorn does but also unicorn at least at this point i see it as sort of just a small scale experiment you know dabbling uh them it's bandai visual putting its foot in the water because for now it's an amazon exclusive and we don't know what it's going to be after that and they're probably just testing the waters to see uh, how Unicorn will work before they go broader with that. So at this early stage, uh, I really wouldn't want to conjecture because it's too early to say, well, now that this has happened, you know, we can guess maybe this will happen. And, of course, we're talking about a Japanese company trying to do something in the American market. And if there's one thing we've seen from many companies, many oh, yeah. Japanese companies, is that they think they know everything about the American market when in reality... Uh, they don't know anything. We're looking at you, Toyota. <laughs> well, I was thinking more of Bandai. Oh, that that more so them. But um, yeah, I I think it's a step in the right direction. I hope that um, it 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 does pave the way. But I don't think it will be overnight. Um, I guess one of the best things that uh, most people can do is, if you want to see more of that, go out in there and pick up a uh, unicorn on Blu-ray and DVD. I think the one thing though that that is an encouraging sign is that these companies are starting to realize that. They really have to close the gap between American and Japanese releases because, you know, years ago it used to be very common that you'd wait years yes. for something to come out here. Then it got slimmed down to about a year. But, you know, in that time when phantoms have emerged on the internet, replacing videotapes, that year is an eternity. And anyone who might have bought it before has now seen it fan subbed, and some of them might buy it but the majority probably don't care because they already saw it. Yep. So with people having fan subs out mere hours after a Japanese broadcast, it's really forced these companies on both sides of the ocean to reevaluate where they stand with these releases and say, hey, if we really want to have an American market, you know, we've got to get this stuff out there a lot faster because you know, people just have ADD when it comes to this stuff. And while they might have an interest in something now, you know, they're not going to wait a year for the first volume of something to come out when there's something they could download from a fan sub site within hours. 
well, and also, then watch it and forget it. Also, too, a lot of satellite packages now, because there's so many different uh, people of different nationalities and ethnicities in the United States, uh, a lot of them have programming set for people, you know, from their home put, you know, from their home countries, you know, i.e. South America, Europe or something like that. And I, I know they have it for ja there's there's Japanese packages on certain satellite systems. So not everything that's probably showing up on the Internet is coming from people overseas. A lot of it is people that are that are here, too. So, wow. I mean, nice. so you're able to watch all that stuff. So, yeah, nice. I agree. Next question. All right. This one comes from good old Canada man. Oh, and uh, he says, I found it strange that two out of the three Gundam hosts use a moniker while Chris goes with his real, I'm assuming, birth name name. Is this a holdover from Flip the Script for Sobro and Neo, or is Chris just showing the internet that he is a man unafraid of trolls? Hey. Well, a little I can't answer that. for Chris, so. <laughs> um, it, it, a, a little bit is a, a holdover from Flip the Script, but I've been... On the internet, I've been Sobro Ryu since '97, so it's a moniker I've gone by even even before podcasting. I just I thought it was a pretty cool nickname to to utilize in a podcast. And if anything, it, it's it's a little bit of a hold of the script, but we interchange, you know, in the, within the podcast yeah. between our real names and our our, our radio names. I always I always will use a radio name because I think that's you know it's a it's a zany tradition in radio, and I, I think that's kind of Cool to use one. It it all comes down to your preference, really. Zany, zany! You're listening to some rockin' tunes on ninety three point one. <laughs> the crazy. Yeah, I mean like that uh, exactly. Uh, I don't necessarily. I, I I don't need validation by having my name all over everything all the time, so it's not a big deal. So I guess some of it might have been a holdover from that too. But you know, um. The other thing is, is I don't. It doesn't really bother me either way, because you know, Chris at times will say it, and you know, it, it, it's it, if it was one of these things that I was passionate about, then you would never hear my first name or my real name or my, uh, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be listed anywhere. It's and, just cool to have a nickname overall. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. So, I just you know use my real name because I've been using my real name for for so many years. Some people still still call me uh, Rand from a very long time ago, but uh, you know, for the most part, people just know me as Chris. So simple as that. Yeah, I mean, they're going to find out. And a little bit out. it is, I don't give a crap about trolls. You know, I'm out there using my real name. You say whatever the hell you want, I don't give a crap. So, exactly. so there. <laughs> and uh, since this is our special 50th episode, uh, I figure we should finish the mailbag with the most ginormous question we've ever gotten. Whoa. Okay. All right. So we're going to have to go through this one pretty fast because it's, it's, it's a laundry list. And this is by uh, Seraphic, who um, starts off his laundry list with this one. I've heard the suggestion that most UC elitists are really fans to start off with Gundam Wing, but avoid their original viewing material because it's not as respected. To what degree do you think that can be true? How do you think that affects the Gundam Wing fandom if old fans are potentially avoiding it since they may seem immature for liking it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, you don't have to answer it that fast. I, no, I mean, I honestly, I honestly really don't know. It's you know, really, in my aspect, it's the first complete show that I really saw. So, I mean, I, I take it for what it is now. Um, I, you know, maybe my, maybe my thoughts about it were, you know, 
uh, stronger when I first saw it, but I, I still enjoy Gundam Wing. Yeah, I, I joke and razz on it a lot of times, but I, I own it, and I still watch it from time to time, and it, it's still very enjoyable to me. Um, in term, it, it's hard to say because I don't see myself as a, a Gundam or an AU, re, or not a Gundam, but a, a UC or an AU elitist. So um, if it's an enjoyable show, it's an enjoyable show. I mean, there's some UC that I can't stand, Igloo. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't stand Igloo. I'm sorry. The truth comes out. Yeah. Um, uh, Why are you hating on the space Nazis? What did they ever do to you? It's like the. It, it just it reminds when you when you talk like that. It reminds me of the. Uh, you, you ever see the Aquating Hunger Force episode with the Hitler balloon? That hit, Hitler was uh, Hitler was in his bunker in Berlin when the Russians were about to hit, and he was trying to fart in a balloon, and his soul got transported into I a balloon. I did not see that one. No, y you have to see it. It's hilarious, and he's the Hitler balloon, and he actually okay. yeah, it's it's hilarious. But um, no, so I, I mean, in, in closing, what I'm saying is, I, I I could see that. I can see a lot of people because, to be honest with you, fanboys and trolls, they never send, they never seem to amaze me when it comes to some of their ways of doing things. And I could honestly see people being um, brought in by Gundam Wing and then being exposed to the other ones and being like, oh, you know, screw Gundam Wing, blah, blah, blah. It's not this and that. But Okay. So, so bro? I'm going to be honest with people. I'll, I, you know, damn what other people think. I mean, Gundam Wing is a great starter series. If you have never seen any Gundam before, I mean, as much as I love Mobile Suit Gundam, if you want to get a feel for what Gundam is like and you don't have to, you know, to, to, to really, you know, you know, have to devote a lot of yourself to it. Uh, Gundam Wing's a great show. There's a, you know, a lot of twists and turns in the series. Um, it's Hero. very streamlined. You know, there's not a lot of characters you got to really worry about. You get into some other Gundam series, and you got a plethora of characters <laughs> in those in that show that you you get reintroduced and reintroduced to. And um, Gundam Wing, it's really a streamlined version of a lot of Gundam shows. And yeah, in in some ways, it may seem immature and a bit more simple. Uh, you know, compared to other Gundam series, but when it comes down to it, if there's any Gundam series to introduce to someone first and get people into, and, and if there is a series that um, made so many Gundam fans in the long run, especially way back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was Gundam Wing, and I can't knock it for that. Um, we joke about it all the time, just like Neo said, but for the most part, it's a show that did its work. It, it made fans even out of female. Um, it made female Gundam fans, which is unheard of before that point. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of things that Gundam Wing set in in place, and it 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 um it it modernized Gundam for a lot of audiences today. So and if you want give some, if you want a series that will turn people off to Gundam, show them Destiny. <laughs> It'd be one of the Gundams I would definitely I would definitely recommend to anyone first. What Destiny? And not no no. Please. <laughs> I, I I would say that uh, it wouldn't surprise me that this happens because there's a lot of fanboys that are out there that um, they define themselves and the image they project to others based on what they like and don't like. Yeah. As if that matters. So you know it it's no surprise that they would watch Wing like it, but then because it's popular to bash something, then turn on it and say, oh you know. Well, that that shows for little kids, or oh, only babies watch that. Another word see than it anime. All, I see it all the time with all sorts of other shows, so mm -hmm. it's not surprising at all. Nothing worse than an anime hipster, man. Nothing worse. <laughs> they they think they can define trends, but really, it just comes down to what you like. And um, you can go on. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, this one's directed at me, Chris. You've mentioned 
that you've dabbled into Japanese cinema and Kurosawa films. Do you yeah. have any recommendations? Okay. Um, oh, with Kurosawa, there's, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can watch. And uh, unfortunately, just the other day, there was a Kurosawa marathon on Turner Classic Movies. So nice. Little too late to tell you to DVR that, but um, if you if you really want to get kind of an idea for his biggest movies, because he did a whole huge variety of different types of movies, you know, character studies, uh, noir, um, period pieces, action. So if you want to get what he's an idea for what he's most known for, you can watch some of the big movies. You could watch, um, you know, Seven Samurai, uh, Yojimbo, uh, Sanjuro. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hidden Fortress, great movie, especially if you're a fan of Macbeth, because it's a, basically a feudal Japanese rendition of Macbeth. Um, even some of the later movies are, are pretty good, although they're they're a little slow moving. Uh, Kagemusha ran, which was his last epic movie. So there's a lot of great movies out there. Um, two that I would mention that are not period pieces that are like all of those that are worth watching: Stray Dog and High and Low. Great uh, film noir movies. Nice. Yeah. I know um, for those, anybody who has Netflix, um, available on streaming right now for Kurosawa are Dreams, um, High and Low, Yojimbo, Sanjuro, Hidden Fortress, Seven Samurai, Ikiru, Ra- and Rashomon. If anything. Yeah, Rashomon, that's, that's one of the ultimate classics. Yep. Uh, and some of these movies from, um, from Kurosawa you can actually watch for free. If you look them up on Wikipedia, there's links to download them because um, they were produced before a cutoff time of when the Japanese government declared that uh, some movies are public domain. Yeah. Oh. So I think the cutoff is like any movie produced before, I think, 1950. So that's a lot of movies, including uh, Rashomon, which was made in 1950. So there's quite a few movies that you can watch from Kurosawa, including his his first ever movie, uh, Sanchiro Sugata, which is a little rough. And um, the film hasn't aged well over the decades because it's from like 1943, but uh, <laughs> definitely Rashomon is a great entry movie because it's a story that's been done many times, but uh, nothing quite compares to seeing the original. So look those up. Just do some reading on Wikipedia. They have a pretty detailed list of his, his uh, filmography. And uh, outside of Kurosawa, um, definitely check out uh, movies with um, one of Kurosawa's uh, favorite actors, after Toshiro Mifune, and that's uh, Tatsuya Nakadai, very well-known actor in Japan. He's been in a whole bunch of movies, and a lot of them very good. He's a great actor. Uh, if you like your period pieces and you like action, you can't go wrong with uh, Zatoichi. Good, good action stuff. And uh, yeah, they're kind of repetitive, but uh, they're fun anyway because you know who doesn't delight from seeing how the blind swordsman, who everyone underestimates. How he will massively slaughter the Yakuza of whichever town he happened to go to. Yeah, exactly. In that movie. Fun fact, uh, Zadoichi, I think, is the other character in cinema that has, I think, the second highest amount of movies that he's been in. Um, I guess right next to James Bond. Yeah, he's, it's, yeah. There's, there have actually been, if you, even if you just count the ones with Shintaro Katsu, Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more of those movies than there are James Bond movies. Wow! So it's actually more. I I, I didn't even know that. Oh, I think there's like there's 26 Zatoichi movies. Good yeah. lord! <laughs> they were being produced at the rate of like two or three a year for for throughout the 60s and the 70s. Not bad. Yeah. So um, next, another one that kind of seems to be for me. Do you think that MHU would benefit from having a technology section for Gundam? I feel it can be useful to have a more authoritative and consistent explanation of all the tech instead of relying on everyone's bad memory. It would be a lot of work, but otherwise, bad physics and misconceptions are rampant on the forums. 
Well, unfortunately, uh, you kind of answered the question yourself. It's a lot of work. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. If you want uh, authoritative technology section, go to gunnamofficial.com or go to Ultimate Mark. That's yep. all I can do for you. <laughs> it's just too much work for me to do. I'm not going to do it. Uh, number four, outside of Gundam, what is your favorite section of Mecha Talk? Are there any memorable threads or exchanges that left an impression on you? Coliseum. Well, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of threads that left an impression on me, and I'm just going to leave it at that with a politician's deflection. So uh, any comments from you guys? The Coliseum. Okay. Solbro. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> I, I, I frequent the, the video games uh, section a lot on uh, Mega Talk, but um, I guess the one thread, which is in the, the, Gundam, um, the Gundam section, is the, uh, the Saji Crossroad thread. That's the best. I, 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 the responses in the thread were, were 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 hilarious, to say the least. He'll always be King Arthur in in our hearts. <laughs> no, in your heart. Oh. Moving on. Number five. Has there been any fan work, art fiction or otherwise, for Gundam that you found to be worthy of mention? Uh, I don't read fan fiction. Yeah, same I, here. I have no interest in in reading it. And personally, I just view it as a waste of time. You know, just reading some person's interpretation of something that's not the way it is. So uh, I have no interest in that. I look at a lot of Gundam fan art on the internet, but most of it is credited. So there's a lot of interesting stuff that people draw, but nothing I would mention because, you know, there's just so much of it out there and most of it's unattributed. Yeah. There's, nothing, there's nothing to mention. I mean, I've seen a lot on, um, on DeviantArt, but I can't recall any artists that did it, that did them. But um, there's a lot of good art out there, just Google Images, <laughs> if anything. Okay. Paul? Uh, yeah, no, I don't read fan fiction, and I... I've seen a lot of art, but like you said, it's it's just I don't have anything that really sticks out. So, okay, uh, number six. What do you dislike about Gundam? I'm going to answer on behalf of all of us and say, <laughs> listen to episodes one to forty nine. Yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 some of the specials. And some of the specials. Yeah. Um, next question, number seven. Damn. What do you dislike about Gundam fans? Again, I will answer this on behalf of all of us and say, listen to episodes 1 to 49 and especially uh, special episodes 1 through 9. Yeah, exactly. Number 8, uh, do you have a favorite mechanical or character designer in the industry? Kunio Akawar. <laughs> Can't get enough of that F91. All right, Sobro. Um, I, I really like the um, the works of Katoki. Um, I you know he uh, the when he when he takes a suit and he um, draws it in his own way, he really does a great you know, not really non Kunio Okawara is it? Okawara is great. Un Okawara is his designs. He's made some iconic suits, so I can't knock the man. I mean, he may have been he may have been you know recycling the same suit over the last you know may two decades, but <laughs> you know beforehand when the man was in his prime. It was freaking knocking him out, man. Hey, I got, I got, I got to pick up a lot. The other cat is the um, the guy who does five star stories. I forget his Mamoru, name. Mamoru Nagano. Yeah, and he also did L Game and some suits for Zeta Gundam, and I think yes. for Double Zeta. So I mean, that guy is a a, a, a total find, and um, I, I really respect his work and I, I like it a lot. Okay, uh, I would say definitely Mamoru Nagano. He's he's great. Uh, I like Katoki. Uh, two guys that I think don't get enough credit who design a lot of grunts and, mm -hmm. and lesser-known things, uh, Kimitoshi Yamane and Junya Ishigaki. Oh, yeah. They, they don't get much credit for the stuff they've done. So those would be uh, my favorites, and we already know what, uh, what Neo's is, so we'll just move on. F91 forever. Almost, <laughs> almost to... Uh, forever 91. <laughs> That's 
That's what they have. Oh boy! All right, so we're almost done here. Uh, number nine. Do you have a weird or obscure anime that you really like that you think few people know about? Tell us about it. Wow. Um, I think I mentioned all mine. Uh, the weirdest one I can think of, and the one I love to death, is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That, to me, um, is probably the greatest manga ever made, at least in the world of Sobro Ryu. And, um, I Which doesn't mean much in the real world. I will fight anyone who thinks differently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, man. Um, I recommend the OVA series to anyone, and the, uh, the manga even more so. The world. The world. Does, does, does it get the seal? It gets, it, oh man, it gets two. <laughs> oh, two. It gets remember, two. Remember, um, the, the opinions of uh, Solbro Ryu yeah. do not reflect that of uh, the other hosts of Gundam or Gundam or MHU.net or Mechatalk.net or Gundam.net. Or, hey. Me- or Mevio or any of these other Mevio people. Mevio or, or iTunes or Petco. anyone. Steve Jobs. <laughs> Go Daddy. <laughs> All these Bill people. Gates. Hey, yeah. hey, JoJo might be the most homoerotic. <laughs> JoJo might be the most homoerotic manga you'll ever read. Mm-mm. But I'm I'm comfortable with my sexuality to still recommend it. So bam, there you go. No, All no. right, and uh, please send any um, complaints or comments or criticisms or admonishments to sbrmhq at gmail dot com. Exactly. Right on. I would say I've mentioned most of my obscure things as well. You know, shows yeah. like Doug Rum, SBT, Laser. You know, they're kind of known, but not very widely known. Mm-hmm. And the last question, because the best has been saved for last. Question number 10. How many times must I kill that girl and her dog? <laughs> uh, forever, actually. Yes, forever. Because, um, you know, we, we, we didn't get anything. Any re- uh, There's no re- resolution to that. So every time you watch Endless Waltz, you gotta kill her. So forever. Well then, enough said. Enough said. <laughs> Excel. All right. And and now that uh, we've wrapped up that that massive mailbag, which was only because of the fact that it was our 50th episode, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Good kick, Lee. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, aaapodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, 
Spike was caught riding on a Tatch coma eating Poppy wearing a hidden leaf village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note. And know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. You must be another Gundam boy graduate. Oh my god, they're gorgeous! You must be another Gundam boy graduate. Oh my god, they're gorgeous! You must be another Gundam boy graduate. You must, you must, you must be another Gundam boy graduate. You, you, you must, you must be another Gundam boy graduate. You must, you must, you must be another Gundam boy graduate. I'm gonna become. A model. I'm like a rough diamond that just needs a little polishing, that's all. And that's exactly what boy modeling school is going to do for me. Oh my god, they're gorgeous! This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ, and for the first of our topics today in our 50th episode, we're going to be discussing some uh, Gunpla lines. We've brought back uh, our friend uh, Andres from Tomopop.com so that he can uh, share his expertise with us with the many, 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 many kits that he's built over the years, and uh, we're just going to have sort of um, a brief overview of some of the different uh, Gunpla lines in the Gundam universe, uh, high grade, master grade, perfect grade, that sort of thing. But first, I figure we should start with uh, some news that came out recently about Bandai unveiling a new line called the real grade at 144th scale. So uh, tell us a little bit about this, Andres. Yeah, the new real grade line it sort of really caught me up by surprise. Um, the first release it's going to be based off the Odaiba now. Um, I forgot where they're taking it now. Um, uh, Nagoya, I think. Yeah, the now Nagoya Gundam. Um, it's the main difference this time is that now the real grade is seeking to become a blend between every single line of kit that Bandai has produced—a mix of perfect grade, a mix of master grade, and a mix of high grade—all into one one forty-fourth scale kit. Um, I'm not really sure how to react. Um, as someone who bought the Odaiba Gundam kit, and I'm like, oh, uh, woo. Okay, another one now. But then at the same time, it's all this new tech coming into it. Where it borrows from the Perfect Grade and obviously Master Grade line is some of the detailing, but most importantly, the inner frame concept. So now high grades are going to, well, now the 144th scale is going to have the same form of posability. You can move them back. It's not just a static torso, but something that can move more realistically. But um, I'm not really sure as to where it's going to end up and how it will come out. It's going to have you know the same construction as a perfect grade in terms of material, so the plastic's going to be a bit heavier. And that was at 1/100th scale. So I can only imagine what's going to happen at the 144th scale. Now, I didn't have any of those problems myself. These are just like a bunch of reports that have been coming through. So I'm not really sure what to anticipate. 
So it could be something that revolutionizes 144 scale kits. I know I'm running out of space, so 144th is pretty much the direction I'm going in now. But is this something that's going to be just as enjoyable? I'm pretty sure it's going to be a more detailed kit. That's what they're barring the aesthetics from the from the Master Grade line. It even has more runners. I think this kit now is up to, I want to say, six or eight runners for a 144th high grade kit. So there's, yeah, it's going to be a lot of parts and a lot of detail. So it's going to be something that's great for modelers, but I'm not sure what the end result is going to be from it. Is it something that is it is this just a gimmick line, or is this something that's going to be just be done so we can incorporate that into say the high grade line later on? I personally think from from the from first blush that it just looks like a gimmick because. If they wanted to, they could just incorporate it right now into HGUC and the new expanded alternate universe lines rather than, you know, making this gimmicky new line called Real Grade. And given some of Bandai's experiments in the past, like I told you before, Andres, I think it's just going to, like, maybe release a few kits and then just peter off into obscurity. Yeah. And disappear. Probably will depend on how successful the sales are with it, too, and and how how much interest and all the buzz is going on because, you know, I'm sure in that, in that, if you really look at it in that type of, um, that type of market, you know, it's pretty static and, you know, unless you have a brand new show or something like that, it's hard to have stuff that's new all the time. So I, I, and exactly, exactly how many things would you put into a grade? Okay. So you're starting off with the RX 78, maybe you'll do, uh, the Zaku, maybe you'll do the Mark two or the Zeta, you know, so it's just going to be a small line, I think, of maybe just the most well-known Gundams, the marquee suits, and that's about it. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go and like recreate all of HGUC in this fancy new real grade format, which just makes me wonder more. Why not just integrate this into the existing HG line? Maybe it's a test bed for that too. It could be. I mean, maybe. Who knows? The prototype, a word that's so prevalent in uh, mecha series <laughs> yeah i guess between all those cigarettes the Mad Men and bandai had to come up with some new gimmick <laughs> hey you know bandai's business is how can we find more ways for you to buy the rx 78 how many times can we have you buy something that you've owned four times already <laughs> that you've bought Not for the even. last 30 years exactly <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny is that, you know, as part of this gimmick, since this um, real grade RX-78 is modeled after, um, you know, the um, the full-size Gundam, that the Odaiba Gundam has now been retitled the um, real grade RX-78-211 scale. Oh, God. As part of the gimmick advertising. Yeah, like they had to clip that thing from Giant Runners and put it together. Just like, shut up, yeah. man. I- <laughs> yes, this is a 1-1 scale model kit that was built from like 20,000 runners. Awesome. So, um, kind of staying in, in, in the, uh, the high-grade realm, there was also the recent news that um, the very long-running HGUC series, that's also 144 scale, is getting an expansion to the alternate universes. And we've now got some kits unveiled for um, HGAW, uh, which is Gundam X, yes. and HGFC, which is G Gundam. So, what do you think about this uh, this new expansion, Andres? Wow, I'm eating my words from the last time I was on here. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. 
Yeah, I, I remember. I remember very, when very sweet about that. Words. You, you <laughs> talked about how it probably will never happen, and then then the, then the news come out like shortly after we released. Like the I think two days afterwards, I'm like, yeah, this won't be out to like the end of the year or anything. Eh, well, it turns out it's next month. Yeah. <laughs> I was happy when I saw the news, and then on top of that, but yeah, finally an HGAU line. I'll, I can finally maybe have a Gundam Rose that has more than six points of articulation. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> What about the Mermaid Gundam? Is that going to be in there? Or maybe oh, Tequila Gundam. Oh. Tequila Gundam, man. Where's or, it? Or uh, Fidel Gundam, the one from Cuba. <laughs> Fidel? Hey, man, you got a problem with Gundams from Cuba? <laughs> Great Aries, right now. Two, two stinking cockroaches. <laughs> I'll be showing my little friend. Let's expand this to wing nothing but Gruntsuits. Leos, Aries, Taurus, Virgos, Dragos. Virgo 2. All you need to do is change the color. You know you love that, Bandai. <laughs> oh, they they love changing colors. Yeah, I was I was I personally was very surprised by this because you know HGUC has been running for God knows how long, and there's still so much stuff that hasn't been covered in HGUC. I'm very know? surprised that they who what uh, alternate universes they picked. You thought they would pick some of the more uh, recent ones and maybe more popular ones lately, but the fact that they did uh, AW and and FC is kind of interesting. And I yeah, love the I don't, fact that was it al- along the same um, in the same announcement that they're doing high grade alternate universe. They explicitly have the one UC suit that they want you know included with the alternate to be double Zeta, <laughs> regular double Zeta or double Zeta yeah. armor. You know, just a regular old double Zeta. Oh wow! Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because I've noticed that in the last few years, um, Gundam X has been getting a lot more attention in Japan it's, under the moonlight. It's the yeah. it's, it's the same old treatment that you get with a lot of shows and stuff. I mean, we we've even seen it here in the United States where you have these shows get canceled before their time or maybe they end, you know, they're they're a short running show and the interest into it mainstream wise doesn't really come out till years later, you know. It's like it's almost to an extent where you the it seems like Gundam X is the one Gundam show that was kind of ahead of its time along with like turn a and stuff uh you know and and even g gundam you know the you know it's everybody hated those things when they first came out and then <laughs> and then now it's like five years later it's like oh man this is just wonderful or, or 10 years later I mean, in some cases so yeah maybe a, a new generation of fans is giving it a, a second look that um it wasn't getting before because you know you got as andres mentioned uh, the under the moonlight manga that came out and was very successful enough so that it uh, got expanded from its it original run. It wasn't that bad. I, I read the first two volumes. I thought it was It was good pretty, stuff. Pretty good, uh, yeah. It's been showing up in a bunch of video games. You know, you got things that came out like uh, the X uh, fixed figuration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, now you got um, this uh, X high-grade kit. You had recently um, the web contest for what Damashis people wanted to see, and uh, Gundam, X. X, Gundam X came in number two. That's freaking cool. I, I would probably say, I, I would think it's, I think to an extent, I uh, you would probably owe it to Double O with being kind of a more un-Gundam Gundam show that was pretty successful, you know, and it had some of the tropes in there, but it was, you know, it kind of went its own route, and, you know, since maybe people enjoyed that, and it seemed like it was very successful here and also in Japan, maybe, um, like you said, the interest just went back to, to X because X was always seemed like it was kind of the redheaded stepchild of the franchise. Yeah. I'm interested to see uh, when at one point uh, Bandai will unveil um, 
HGAC and start cranking out Wink stuff. Oh, yeah. And if they intend to go the route of doing an HGCC and doing Turn A, since um, the original Turn A model line was so pathetically small and there was so much stuff that never even got into kit form. Yeah. Well, I'd, it, li- I I'd think, like the um, Gold Sumo. That's what I'd want. Gold Sumo? But I actually got a kit. Of, they actually got it? two kits. Yeah. That was, that, was one of the f- that was only one of two kits I got, actually, two releases. Yeah. I wouldn't mind having myself a, a Turn X or a Flat. Oh, true. What about a Flat, oh. man? A flat, <laughs> and what what was what was that what was that dickhead that married uh uh what's her face the 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 dark guy the guy that was just what was his name in in in, in Turn A? Mean, Laurent? No, oh. the other dark guy. <laughs> oh, uh, the Indian dude. Yeah, the guy that got what, Joseph. What was, yeah, well, yeah. Didn't wasn't he rocking the flat at the end? Because didn't he get? He yeah, he was more. rocking the flat, and then he and then he stole the Turn A. Yeah. So. And got his ass whooped. Maybe he'll get the flat Joseph dickhead custom. <laughs> <laughs> no man, I, I need I, I need my my freaking uh, my hero Swetson Sutero type. Oh yeah, Could with a little Swetson Sutero figure with a with a with a big drumstick, you know, a bi- <laughs> big big Flintstones drumstick. Or uh, or about Harley Quinn. Hey, Was it when they had the Tamashi Nation show? They showed the. Um... I was like, oh yeah, here's all these turn A robot Damashis we could make of. We're not making anyone, by the way. <laughs> this is what we could do, but this is what yeah, we're going to do. Here's a wad. Um, yeah, you're not having these. Here, you want all of these uh, Victory and F91 grunts instead. Yeah. Which I'm not complaining about, because that's an amazing in and of itself, but that's for another podcast. Oh, yeah. So, uh, what would you guys like to see with these new, uh, these new lines that we have out for G and X, since so far all they've announced is uh, Gundam X and God Gundam. Oh, what, 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 um, what figures I'd like what to see? What would you like to see in these lines? Like, seriously, what would you like to see? I, for wouldn't, re- I wouldn't mind seeing the Frost Brothers suits. You yeah. know, those things were always medieval looking, to be honest. And, and let's see those come out. Those, those would be pretty fun to build. You know, they just they have a different look from the other other um yeah, that are in series. For X. Oh yeah. Enel's little mobile armor dealie. <laughs> um maybe um the G Falcon and stuff, you know, and, and, and you know, of course with it going with X and double X. Mm-hmm. Uh in terms of uh G, of course, the Maxter. I am the champion. Oh, actually I would like to I see I will be back Actually I'd like to see the all the whole shuffle alliance. I mean I liked all I I liked all those suits. And, when you uh, say Shuffle Alliance, do you mean um, Part Two? Do you, not, yeah, do the original two. Black Joker, <laughs> the, the original two. Shuffle Alliance, or or the the Domon and his boys. Domon and his boys. I gotta agree, man. I want to see the Maxter, man. Yeah, so we get so we can answer uh, and the question. Huh? Um, I guess for me, um, I want all the wing grunt units. Yeah, because I mean, we, those never got any love whatsoever, and I think that was those were the best designs on wing. Um, other than that, um, what was that one suit from X, the one non-Gundam piloted by the new type boy? Oh, oh yeah. uh, Karis? Yeah. Um, oh, the Kibale the looking thing? Yeah, I forget yeah. what that thing was called. I want a kit of that. That was you a know, cool looking suit. The, uh, the, the Vertigo. Is that what yeah. it was? You know what's yeah. good too is a lot of, the, I liked a lot of those grunt suits from the Vultures, uh, you know, especially some of the customized ones that you see, you saw, especially in the beginning of the show. Um, you know, a lot of the, with the, a lot of the grunts and stuff that had, they were pretty, they were pretty cool because they're kind of, some of them were kind of mad maxed out a little bit. <laughs> and, um, you know, with, uh, G, I'd also like to see, um, the, the one, 
the suit that uh, Master Asia won the previous championship. In. Oh, Kowloon. Yeah, I like that one. So, what what else I would like to see if they do it with G, like you know why not make the Shuffle Alliance, you know, like the Black Joker, Queen of Spades, those suits. Yeah. Um, I would love to see. I guess in a joke, um, Gundam Rose has to come with the Butler. Of course, and Mary Louise. Right. Um, with a with and, a parasol, she's got to be she's got to be in a dress with a parasol. And nice. Bandai, I'm telling you now, if you do it, I I guarantee you'll have an army of people buying these. Um, release the hyper modes of the Shuffle Alliance, yeah. but include a temporary tattoo for your hand. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> word. Oh, you know what? You know what? Another thing they could do because this will be easy and it'll be another reason to to sell the the Wing Zero and the Arc Seventy Eight and even the F Ninety One. Remember, they show up at the final battle. So oh, you yeah. Can do the oh, yeah. So you're uh, saying let's Gundam get a molecule to the rocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, and the miscolored uh, wing Gundam. Yeah, the miscolored wing Gundam. <laughs> and, uh, well, and, and the, you realize the, I'm making this diorama now. <laughs> and, I'm going to get a model rocket and strap the Odaiba Gundam to it. <laughs> and, of course, and, um, and, 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 and the crossbone, too. And of course, uh, uh, Noble. I'd like to see Noble. And what was the one that Rain had? I forget what that one was Rising. called. Oh, Rising. Rising. You gotta have those. And um, old boy that was blind. Oh, Keyhole. Oh, Keyroll. Keyroll. You mean the, yeah. the 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 Mandala Gundam? Yeah. <laughs> that thing was crazy, dude. It was pretty crazy. Was it? Uh, what was the Zebra Gundam? Was it Zebra Gundam? Yes, it was Zebra Gundam. Okay. So racist. Well, at least it wasn't Mandela Gundam. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah, but it was, it was just so racist, dude. It was where, pretty where, bad. Where was Apartheid Gundam? Well, look at... Look at where tequila, was this look Afrikaner's at, Gundam? Look at Tequila Gundam. It had a sombrero and a poncho. It's like... <laughs> If you're gonna, well, if you're, if if you're gonna, racism. if you're gonna make it, if you're gonna make it like Mexicans, you know, paint it like red with a big Virgin Mary airbrushed on the chest. You know? Hey, paint it like drug dealers who chop people to pieces and put flaming tires around them. Yeah, if they um put they, it in Wranglers with a ten gallon hat. If they if they make that Maxter Gundam that needs to come with um Chibidi's letters. Oh, of course, oh, man, with well, their with their little support ship. Yeah. Oh man, and then we can answer the immortal question: Where Brooklyn at? Well, well, if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna do all of the uh, if you're gonna do all of the, the shuffle of Domo's boys and the shuffle alliance, then you gotta have the two pedo monks with Saisashi. Yes, sir. <laughs> Those guys. And of course, uh, Saisashi, the better. Um, yo 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 yo. And and and, uh, and the, the better have buffet. A, have a figure of uh, Natasha in the, uh, the in the bondage Cheryl. Nice. Uh, you know, Cheryl outfit from Fr- uh, Frontier. We should work nice. for Bandai. Those would all make good little figures. Um, for me, I would love to see an X. Some of the uh, the grunts get yeah. some attention, like um, the various uh, Dotrus types and uh, the Genus. Yeah, those were just great little designs. And some of the other um, Space Revolutionary suits, like the uh, the, the Octape and uh, the Crowda. Those those were great designs. For G, uh, like you guys said, definitely the um, the Shuffle Alliance. Okay. I like to see some of the um, some of the less known Gundams that just made one-shot appearances but were pretty cool, like the uh, the Minaret Gundam. Yeah. Had a sweet design, but appears in all of just one episode. So I wouldn't want them to go like overboard the way that they did in America with the MSIAs, where they oh. just like did every damn thing. I think you can still get those now. 
I think they're still they're, they're they're probably locked in a in a box in the back room at Toys R Us. Oh, they fill up a whole aisle of big lots. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, a whole aisle of big lots of like uh, Matador Gundams and 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 freaking like uh, Mermaid Gundams. Yeah, like who the hell thought that anyone would want to buy these things? Actually, with X and uh, this would probably be more than the normal, you know, normal price. But I would like to see them have the um, the war versions of the X and the air and the um, the Airmaster. And the leopard with their drones, you know, with their bit mobile yep. suits, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they had the different head. That would be kind of cool. Those would that would be kind of awesome. Yeah. So that's my wish list, which none will probably happen. Hey, you never you never know. Yeah. So moving on, uh, we've got um, sort of a brief introduction. We'll we'll do for the uh, the HGUC line in general. So tell us a little bit about uh, this line, Andres. What you think of it? What um, your preferred kits are, what you uh, don't like in it, and how you would rate it for beginners who want to uh, get started with it. I guess if anything right now, um, high-grade Universal Century, if you're a beginner, this is where I would start. You have pretty much your choice of anything in the Universal Century, so long as it didn't appear in a novel. Um, And even then, you can probably still get it. But... Well, there's still some stuff from novels, uh, you know, like yeah, the, there were some some advance of Zeta kids and Sentinel. Yeah, still no Mark V though. But anyway, um, I I I have a fondness for HGUC. They it's gotten so much better over the years. It's a good small kit. I mean, they're pretty much color accurate now. You really don't have to do that much painting or detailing. Whereas the old days it was like you had a lot of work to do still, but. Just the progression on these has gotten really well. My favorite kit that I actually have right now is um, the Unicorns. And great builds. They don't take that much time. You feel satisfied with them, which I feel is really important if you're just getting to the model. You want something that when you put it together, it's like, oh, man, you know, I feel good about this. And, um, and the HGUC line is really made for that. The only con, I would say, is just that it seems at times... Like especially now, the more recent kits, excluding unicorns, just like I, we're we're hitting the end. That there's there's only so many suits left that we have. So we've pretty much done everything. So from here on out, it's you know trying to figure out what's next. They've done everything for the most part, except for the double Zeta. And after that, it's like where do we go from here? Is it going to be like Gundam Mark V? Are we having you know, redone Zaku's. So I think the last original kit that they had, like, before Unicorn or anything, was n- kit number 99. It was like the, I forgot how to pronounce it, the Shrumdias. Mm-hmm. Dia, whatever yeah. the hell that, Yeah, yeah exactly. Later. It's just like, of all things that got made, it's like, that's something no one expected. <laughs> and, and then well, I think before that, it was the Ewak um, Zaku. Yeah, and it's like, okay, we're really running out of stuff now. <laughs> well, you know, what I've always thought was a little odd was that um, you say that they're running out of kits, but they they really have not, you know, unicorn aside, they haven't really explored the uh, post-charge counterattack era at all. Yeah. yeah. They, haven't, they haven't covered F-91 or any of its side stories. They haven't covered uh, Victory, and there's still plenty of stuff from side stories and video games that they could throw out and make kits of that's recognizable and, you know, could be done. So, I guess from that perspective, you know, but the thing is that, that presents a whole other problem. How do we go about miniaturizing for F-91 and Victory the 144th scale kits? 
that is a problem unless they would just decide for those like we can't make these any smaller than they are just deal with it yeah <laughs> which they did you know for victory at least which led to some interesting kits but yeah. it it'd be interesting to see them actually made i'm guessing maybe they'd be around the you know just a bit taller than Highcom Pros around that size. I'm guessing a bit larger than that. So I'm not sure if they'd want to move in that direction. And I think that's why they went to the HGAU line. It's like there's not much else we can do at this current point with our technology. I think they're just waiting for the technology to improve, and then then we'll get them. But Now, uh, since we're talking about HGUC here specifically, uh, for beginners, how would you differentiate the quality? And there's a lot of stuff that's branded HG like uh, the seed kits and the double O kits from the sort of stuff you see in HGUC? Well, the kit quality is about the same. Um, they're, I want to say, a tad better than the seed kits um, at the same level as the double O kits. They're, it's going to be the exact same you know, feeling to it. You're not going to need any more advanced tools or techniques or anything. It's just a different style of mobile suit, whereas instead of you know, assembling multiple backpacks, you're going to be assembling multiple weapons and hands. And that's the only, like, real difference I see differentiating the two and, of course, you know, size and gimmicks. But other than that, they're pretty much the same monster in that way. Mm -hmm. And for someone who's starting out, uh, are there any specific kits that you would say are good for beginners in HGUC? Yeah, as far as, like, a good HGUC for beginners, I would say, I think I mentioned this on the last show, was the um, unicorn in unicorn mode. It's pure white, pure white and gray, you know, obviously for the joints, but other than that, everything is perfectly fine. You know, it's a great build, it looks nice, there's no real panel lining to do because the way unicorn is done. So if you just want to build something, you know, and just feel accomplished, I, I have to recommend the unicorn. Okay. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And in the yeah, uh, double O line, what would you recommend? Ah, double O line. Um, double O line has some hits and misses. Um, Just like the show. Oh yeah. I mean, when it hits, it hits. But when it misses, oh god, does it miss? <laughs> um, like I built one kit out of like just you know. Okay, I'm 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 a fan of I'm a fan of Graham. So I'm like I'm gonna get all those suits. Uh -oh. And I got Mr. Bushido's ahead. God, that is a horrible kit. <laughs> I mean, if you're a beginner and like this is what you go into and you build this and you're like, what the hell did I just build? Um, when you know they kind of crap out on you because they don't even give you colored um, beam katanas. It's just oh, wow. clear, clear plastic, and it's like, wow, that's great. There's not even another clear part in this kit. And then it's just two colors, bland red and blander black. And it's and then the throne units at that too because they're like I just built the this way and there is so much painting that needs to be done on that kit to make it look you know show accurate it's ridiculous like the sword itself isn't even show accurate wow so if you're building a kit the one thing I would say the grunts from first season were great I love the Tyrion I love the flag mm -hmm. the yeah, the flag's a great kit I have the um, the custom flag. Yeah. Yeah, let me also um, I guess I'll give a shout out to um, Red Comet ninety who came to on um, came to the panel at Yosemite and built the flag. He sent me the pictures that I asked for, and I was like, "Yeah, that was a good job." I'm really proud of seeing that. Um, was it was the AEU version of the flag? I'm trying to remember, 
Enact. The, yeah, the enact. The enact was nice, except the shoulder part keeps falling off Patrick's version. Oh wow! That's that, how I get saved. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that says volumes. Any of the grunt units from Double O are great. The Gundams from the first season were pretty good. Uh, second season, I don't know where the hell quality went, but it's just bleh. damn. Cherubim is interesting enough, but then they go ahead and release the new versions with all the new weapons, so just get those. Yeah, I like how uh, they did that. It's like, hey, you like this? Now we're going to give you the new weapons. Hey, you like that double O? Now buy it with the GN Sword 3. Nice. No, but it's funny because I remember so many people were just complaining. It's like, oh, why don't they release this? Like, I remember at the end of season one, why didn't they release the kits? You know, that way we can get all the weapons. Then all of a sudden, oh, and Bandai was like, oh man, we better not mess this up again. So let's build them. Ah, oh, why are they doing this? It's like the fan base is just awful in that regard. It's like we really want this. Blah, you're making us pay for it. Horrible, Bandai. Horrible. Well, you're never gonna please the fans because they always demand more, and then when you give it to them, they. They say, how dare you charge for this? Yeah. yeah. So right now, speaking of Double O, the one project that I'm working on, I told you, Chris, but um, I'm working on probably the equivalent of um, Overkill right now. The <laughs> Presenting the 144th high-grade Gundam Double O XN Riser 7 Sword. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, now, if you, were to, if you were to browse, because no such thing actually exists mm-hmm. in that configuration... But if you were to look at the separate uh, designs of that on MHQ and then try to imagine all of those together, just the picture is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to yeah, picture I, in my head right now, and I can't. You mount oh. the, the, the O-Riser, the XN Riser, and the, uh, the Seven Swords Giant Sword, oh. all under the double right. O. Also the Seven Sword. Yeah, the Seven Sword, yeah. Yeah, because an XN Riser comes with its own Giant Sword, mm-hmm. the GN Sword 2, which... So right now, the way that I have it, it's holding the XN Sword, the Seven Sword, the GN Sword 2 will be mounted on its left arm. The XN Riser has two arms which extend over the top, which then hold two more rifles, the long blades or whatever. Then Waste will have the two sword, the GN Sabers that come with Seven Sword, and then it has a ridiculous GN Sword. I don't know what the hell those are on the knees. So, yeah, I'm just going for complete cluster hell on that one. <laughs> Talk about back heavy. Yeah. Speaking of back heavy, um, Perfect Grade Double O. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess we'll use that as a nice segue to Perfect Grade. I'll skip Master Grade for right now. Right. But I'll talk about um, Perfect Grade Double O Riser. Um, you need the stand for this. There well, is no way. It's in- got all that dead weight in the back, i.e. Saji. Son of a... <laughs> 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 Yeah. Um, so, so you know, if anyone heard that noise in the background, I have a Kororo that just goes off at random points during the day. But um, ambiance. Yeah, exactly. It also works as an alarm clock. It's just I can't set it because it's in Japanese. Oh, that's too funny. But um, yeah, there is no way to get this kit to ever lean forward. The back with the O-Riser attached is extremely too top-heavy, but God, is it pretty. It seems like uh, it reminds me. I have the 1100 of... Um, what is it, the Virtue? Ooh. And, and y- you know, when you have it in, in all the armor and you try to pose the big cannon, when it's like that, it doesn't want to stand up. It, it just wants to fall over. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just always show it as the Natalie because, you know, it just doesn't work. It's too heavy. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I understand the pain. I was hoping that. that kit would be nice. It's nice. It's just that the gun is just too, it's too heavy. And... The arms aren't strong enough to keep it up, so it just falls down all the time. 
Yeah, it's like my one one hundredth uh, yeah, heavy arms I ran into custom. That, that thing cannot hold ran into that anything. Problem. Yeah, that that thing. I've had that problem with the heavy arms, and also with yeah. the uh, MSIA new Gundam HWS. Oh, that has that that giant cannon. Oh God! You can't that thing cannot be held up at all. It's impossible. Yeah. And and when you do pose it with that with giant cannon, it weakens the forearm of you know the suit holding it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. of all of that weight, so that's 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 a problem. Uh, Andres, with the uh, perfect gray double O riser, how are those mm-hmm. uh, fancy little light up uh, twin drives? If I could queue up, I'm riding spinners right now. I would, but but yeah, that that was a. Intri- I, I really like the gimmick, and for the you know, it really works for the kit. But mm-hmm. the only only drawback I have is like they did in order to include that, like when they mount the double O riser, like the parts for the shoulders on the jam blade, you can't really access them that easily. So that kind of creates a problem if you want mm-hmm. to display it that way and do it. But otherwise, I actually really like the gimmick. It's nice for them to try something new, and you know, and it actually worked. And for them to actually include the batteries to do it this time was really a nice touch. <laughs> well, you, you pay all that money, and they should at least give you the watch watch batteries to power it. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned it last time. Like, yeah, if you're gonna you know buy the batteries for it, um, go to Amazon. <laughs> Don't spend six dollars a piece at a watch repair store in a mall. Goodness. Oh God. And um. Go ahead. Oh, I was—I was, just had a question. Um, out of the two, that uh, which one was the uh, more joy to build, the uh, perfect grade strike or the uh, the double O riser on perfect grade? Ooh. Honestly, right now I'm I'm gonna hand it to Strike. I still had a fun time building the double O riser. Double O riser just felt like a chore. It's like, okay, I finally have this part, but I'm done. I'm done for now. I'm done building for now. Whereas with Strike, it's like I wanted to keep going. It just had me involved with it. I really wanted to finish it. And that was like the different motivations. Like the strike felt like an accomplishment. It's like, yes, I did it. You know, it looks good. Whereas double O riser is like, man, this really looks good. And it took me a really long time and I'm really tired. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I built perfect great strike and I felt the same way. It was like, I, I actually tried to, uh, lay out the process a little bit more. I purposely just would do like a leg or an arm a day because if you, you pretty much could do it, within a you know 24 hour period if you wanted to because it was just that easy you know things just kept flowing in with everything because i helped a friend of mine do the the what is it the different color sasabi mm-hmm. and god mm-hmm. talk about a chore <laughs> especially the the tubes oh oh god the tubes so in general andres uh what would you say about the uh the perfect grade line which is sort of the creme de la creme uh how is it rate for beginners and since it's not a very big line, what would be a good starting point for somebody? Um, what should they be aware of if they attempt beginners, to? Beginners, stay the hell away. <laughs> um, it's not so much because of difficulty, but just the frustration. It's like anyone, I think, you know, can sit there, you know, put together the kit, but it's going to take time and it's going to frustrate the hell out of a beginner. I would say, though, like, if you feel confident enough, you build a couple of Master Grades and you're ready for that level, the strike... I can hands down suggest um, the red frame of Stray. I haven't got the chance to build it yet, but it's pretty much the same frame as the Strike. And if you want a non-seed universe um, perfect grade, um, either way, you're going to have to deal with cabling of some sort. So I'd go with um, either, depending on your liking, the the Zephrantes or Double O Riser. Of course, we should also mention these kits. Uh, they are not cheap. No. Oh no, no. Um, Strike will set you back around 150 if you don't want the L pack. Um, the 
Double O Riser will cost you, I believe, two seventy five with shipping right now. It's actually on sale right now on HLJ for I think like one hundred seventy five plus a shipping. So what is it? And then a lot of the early kits will be around one twenty five, one fifty. Wing Zero Custom, stay the hell away from it. Get the Master Grade. Man, why? What's wrong with uh, Wing Zero Custom? Um, wiring and. You know that trademark pose that everyone wants to do where you can hold up the buster rifles together, you know, be suspended in midair? It's mm-hmm. not going to do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> what, for the uh, the twirly uh, twin buster rifle attack? Yeah, um, not even so much the twirly one, just holding them together as the, you know, the one just... where it's kind of leaning back. Oh, yes, yeah. that, that, yeah. That, that pose, yes. Yeah, yeah it, that's not going to happen. So if you think that's going to... No, just, just stop. It's not ever going to happen as much as you would like it to. No. Um, get the Master Grade. Um, I actually um, had a fit of nostalgia from the last show that I did. So I actually went out and got it, painted it. Nice. It holds that pose. Very nice. We'll use this as a segue into the Master Grade portion. Awesome. First thing I can say about Master Grade is 100 scale, so you'll be looking at something anywhere between 6 to 8 inches, 3 inches if you're buying a ball. So, depending on how you like your sizes, you know, you can go in that way. Um, Master Grades, what I like about them, um, they're just full of detail. You can put out so much effort into them, and they they look great. You want show accuracy, this is where you're going to go. The best Exia kit right now is easily the Master Grade Exia. Um, Just Master Grade, I feel, is the best line. It's the midway between Giant Impressive and affordability. Um, you can get a new Master Grade anywhere from 25 to, you know, $100 if you're looking at the Sasabi or anything along, you know, that size. But you can just get, uh, I mean, just pretty much whatever you want. There's just so much variety to it. Um, there's only now one series that hasn't had a release from it, and that's um, Gundam X. So hopefully that will be coming soon. I hope so. What would be some uh, master grades to uh, look for and some to avoid? Um, ones to avoid. Um, right now, um, do not get um, Unicorn um, version Kotoki. Absolutely. Really? Let us now. Oh, wow. the, the new version that they released has increased articulation, so there is no point in even getting it unless you like really light pink beam saber sets about it. <laughs> that's the only difference is the color of beam saber, and that's the only thing I would say that's better on that kit than the new one. Oh. Other kits to avoid, version 1.0 of any of the kits that have a 2.0. Makes sense, yeah. There's no reason to buy Gundam 1.5, the original Gundam, Sharzaku 2, the Gelgoog, um... There's absolutely no point in owning those kits. The original Zeta, oh god, no. Yeah. Um, Zeta Plus, another, oh god, no. Um, let's see, another Master Grade that I would like to throw in the trash. Um, another one I know that's pretty bad is the Regzi. Ooh, yeah. yeah man. The coloring on that, just, oh, that neon green. Yeah, that and just that back, putting that backpack together is just a nightmare. Yeah. And then putting it on the, and then trying to put it on the actual suit is just horrendous. Speaking of speaking of that, um, have they ever made a master grade of the? Was it the Regal from um, Unicorn, or is that has that come? The, the Rizal, no, the not yet. They only announced one other master. They announced two master grades were coming for Unicorn, but we don't know what they. We know one of them obviously is the new Unicorn that they made. Mm-hmm. 
but we don't know if the um, what's going to be the next one. Is it going to be the Rizal, the Delta Plus, maybe um, another Sinanju, which is pretty likely. I doubt Kshatriya just because of size. I'm really not sure what direction. I'm hoping for Banshee, okay. just because it's black and gold and has a new antenna. Right. And it'd be kind of cheap to do. I don't think it's even going to come out this year just because the release schedule for Unicorn, just for the Blu-rays and such, we're not going to see it probably until next year or even a year afterwards. Good lord. So, But who knows? It might be yeah, it makes sense they, enough. they want to tie it into uh, to the Blu-rays. True. But other than that, um, that's where I see the future of the Master Grade line. Hopefully we get a Gundamax, X-Divider, X. So hopefully we see something new come down the wings. Or maybe, you know, maybe give us a Master Grade GN Flag 2. That would be nice. That would be cool. Anything else that uh, we haven't covered yet about uh, the different Gunpla lines you want to mention? Oh, wrap up the address? Giant Gundam, the 148 scale. Oh, I recently just finished that. It's a giant high grade. Goodness. <laughs> it's comes it's it's um larger than perfect grades. Mm-hmm. Um it's one forty eighth scale. You're looking at a kit that's about one and a half feet tall to two feet. Right. Um very easy to put together. So if you're a beginning modeler, it's a great kit to start with. Um it's not hard at all to put together. It will look nice when it's put together. Mm-hmm. And it's a giant display piece that you can no doubt show off right now. It's on my uh, coffee table in the living room. Cool. So it's just a nice kit put together. It took me about an hour and a half, and it's it's impressive enough as to where the size you know it doesn't detract from the lack of detail. Like the, if you're expecting like you know like perfect grade articulation, don't don't get it for that reason. Mm. But it's just a really nice giant display kit and. Just looks great on the shelf. Oh, uh, one thing I wanted to ask: a couple of series, um, like Seed, they have um, one sixtieth scale kits. How how's the quality on those? Um, they're basically scaled up high grades, um, much like the one forty eighth scale. Um, some of them have lighting gimmicks, like the Strike Freedom, I believe, had one. Um, same thing for the Double O one sixtieth kits. They're just basically giant scaled up high grades. So. Um, I had a friend that actually built a couple of these, and, you know, I they're... Built, I built Axia, and it took, like, it probably took an hour and a half to build. Damn! It wasn't... Yeah. It, it didn't take that. It looks good, but it's not going to... You're not devoting, like, half your day doing this. So, I mean, if you just want something nice, you know, giant and impressive, you don't have a lot large room to devote to, like, a side area, get a couple of the 160th kits, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not that expensive. I think Axia is, like... 50 bucks or so. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, they're not that expensive. You can get them rather cheaply, you know, for what you get. It's just basically a giant high-grade kit, and it, you know, it, it makes a nice display piece. Just leave it there, you know, nothing and wrong then, with it. And they're pretty sturdy, too. They're not going to fall over, and if they Except do Except against fall over, dogs. Well, that's, yeah. Well, yeah, my friend's is... got eaten, my friend's freedom got eaten by a dog. Oh! Man, How fitting. He should have fed him strike freedom. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he liked his dog, though, if he fed him strike freedom, he probably would have choked on it. How many times does freedom have to die? As many times as that little girl and her bear. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> Andres, uh, one last thing that um, we were missed if we didn't mention. Some of the um, other smaller lines that are out there, uh, the various lines like uh, EX for ships, um, hard graph for uh, UC hard graph for some of the vehicles. Tell us a little bit about those lines briefly. 
Um, UC Hardgraph is like your traditional military kit, so they're set at 135th scale, so they're a lot larger. Well, in terms of, you know, scale-wise, but size, they're really about the size of Master Grades, like the Hilda 4. Um, actually, no, that was um, EX. But going to, like, Hardgraph, they made um, Xeon hover motorcycles. Um, I have no idea why anyone would want these. They're like, I think it's like 15 bucks, but even then it's like, there's no reason for me to ever display this at all. Hey, they're called WAPAs. You can't go wrong with something that's called a WAPA. <laughs> At 15 bucks, yes, you can. <laughs> but um, probably the um, one of the interesting ones is the 8th MS Team version of the hard graph. comes with a um, hover tank, and it also comes with... I can't remember whether it was the, the Zaku... No, it comes with the, either a 135th scale Zaku head or arm. I can't remember which. But that was a rather interesting kit. It also comes with like um, scale figures of the Eighth um, MS team members. That's pretty cool. So uh, if you wanted to make like a like a diorama, yeah, uh, is there like, any scale of um, model kits that you could mix and match with these hard graphs? No, none of them are in scale. Not oh, at all. That sucks. They're they're sort of meant to be dioramas on their own, really. Oh. Right. So you can't really integrate like you know any of the other kits. The only other kit I think you could is like the one thirty fifth skill unicorn headstand, and that's about it. Which kind of doesn't fit. Yeah. Since the UC hard graph is all about the one year war. Yeah. So it's like there there's nothing that you're going to be able to use, unfortunately. Um, EX. Which, by the way, for before we go on to EX, uh, for people who aren't familiar with UC Hardgraph, pretty much is a lot of stuff that you're seeing like in Igloo and Igloo 2, since uh, Igloo 2 was very closely integrated with UC Hardgraph. In fact, they're like yeah. the same website in Japan. Oh, wow. And a lot of the stuff that you see there is that sort of stuff, like these uber-realistic military vehicles like trucks and bikes and jeeps and this sort of stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, if you're that much into the military otakuness. So uh, to, to move on and wrap up, uh, tell us about the EX line. EX line, you know, I guess it sort of somewhat follows that same military otaku line. Um, EX is going to cover a lot of the vehicles, not the mobile suits per se, um, th- though there are a couple. Um, these are different than the traditional high-grade and you know, put together kits as um these will require cement to finish. These are a lot like traditional aircraft and military models. Nice. So you will need to be um somewhat more skilled in order to complete them. Um a lot of ships are in the line so you can have you know, you can make your fleet. You can have the the Agama, the White Base, Amusai, um unfortunately no Alexandria. Oh, um damn it. Oh. Um the Salamis class, um but also there are a couple of vehicles um the Hilda 4 from from MS Igloo, the Zaku tank. Right. Um and also they got a couple of seed releases so you can have the Archangel or the Mobius Zero. Oh nice. Cool. And also they made oh, was it the XS from Destiny so. But yeah, these are not general Oh boy, the, the purple bubble armor. Yeah. There was then like two episodes. Yeah. You have no idea who that pilot is. Nope, no idea. Um but the Just some XL, yeah. But again, these are not traditional model kits in the Gundam sense. These are the traditional model kits where you have to cement them together, glue. It's not just put the peg and it'll stay together. You're actually gonna need actual modeling skills in order to complete these. Oh, and there are no multicolor parts. All the painting is on your own. It's all single color paint. Wow. So white base will literally be all white when you get it. 
with a serious model builder. So this is something for, for hardcore people. If you want to try and set up something new, um, feel free to go with the line. But otherwise, if you're just getting into it, no, stay away. <laughs> I, I still have yet to build one just because I was because I remember I really wanted a Musai and a white base, and I was like, oh, I'll just get the one four hundredth versions instead of the EX. So I haven't built any of them yet. I kind of want the Hilda Four just for the sake of having one. Right. But these kits are also more expensive. The Hilda Four, I believe, is sixty eight dollars. Yeah. And it's yeah, and it's not that much larger. I believe it's still 144th scale too at that. So it's just not that appealing of a line in terms of cost and actual effort put into construction for it. Go with the Musai, it's all green. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But for that cost you might as well and that and it's that Musai in particular is one thirty five hundredth scale. Whereas you can get a one four hundredth scale for, you know, a little over three times the price. Definitely so, didn't know those exist. Oh yeah. Well, I think yep. on that note, uh, we should wrap up if everybody has any final comments on this, since we've spent quite a bit of time exploring oh, yeah. this varied world of gunpla lines. Uh, gentlemen, anything to say? No, I'm good. I feel like I've attended another awesome episode of Gundam Boy Mullen School. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And again, so congratulations with- on 50 episodes now. Thank you very well, much. Thank-, thank you very much. And... Um, That'll wrap up this segment. So we really appreciate having uh, Andre from Tomopop.com spend his time uh, talking about all of these different model lines. And, of course, you should go to Tomopop.com to read some of his reviews and uh, news articles. It's all good stuff there. Also, in the next coming months or so, I will be holding a Gunpla contest. Awesome. So that won't be for another couple of months, but it is in the works now. Um, also, in the once the thread gets posted online, I will share with you what I talked about last time: the abomination of Lacus's Zeong. <laughs> oh wow! Well, you you heard it here, folks. This is what you have to look forward to. So cool. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Boy Modeling School wants handsome Gundams trained to become successful male models. Bring your beautiful face and a check for $60. Oh my god, they're gorgeous! This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8. For 10% off any order not already discounted. Gun 9. For $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. .com domain names are as low as $749 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the sponsors and special offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... 
That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a gun damn about your personal life. Start talking. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is the 50th episode, and just like we, um, you know, for any big anniversary type episode, we have something ex- extremely special for you and something we said we'd never speak about. And um, that's actually, what is it, Chris? The greatest Gundam story to ever be put to any type of, well, it was originally just put to, um, to paper. And now it's been brought to us. Um, it is kind of landmark because it is the first time um, a side story or, or something was actually brought to be animated. And uh, that is the wonderful, wonderful uh, Gundam Unicorn. Oh, if you say so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm just I'm just following all the people that say it, you know, that told me it was wonderful. Um, and uh, what's nice about this, too, is we have a return to the Universal Century. And for all you people that don't know, that's pretty much the timeline that started the whole Gundam franchise off. And uh, we're set three years after the events of uh, Char's Counterattack, UC0096. And we start in what's... Um, we start in an area in uh, Industrial 7, and we see kind of the uh, backstory of our main protagonist, which is... Uh, Boniker, we found out on the English verb, Boniker links instead of Banniger. You say Boniker, I say Banniger. Um, Let's call the whole thing off. He is a, a technical school student in Industrial 7, and uh, we see how he gets kind of involved with this girl uh, called Audrey Byrne, who looks very familiar from previous Gundam entries. Get out of here. And uh, we see a lot of the things that are going on with uh, the are now the remnants rem, the remnants of the remnants of the remnants of Zeon. So <laughs> these people are the remnants of the people in Double Zeta or actually the remnants of Shars Counterattack and those were the remnants of Double Zeta and the remnants of Double Zeta were actually the remnants of Zeta, and the ones in Zeta were actually the remnants of the first show. Well, hey, let's be fair. The ones in Zeta and Double Zeta were the same thing. So uh, okay, <laughs> that's that's one less level of remnants. So they're remnant cubed. So they're the Neo so remnant to the fourth power. They're the Neo 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 Zeons. All right. Yes. <laughs> um, and we see that they're still pretty active and. Shocker, they want to bring down the Federation. Get out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, we, we see that there's this um, this foundation called the Vist Foundation that pretty much runs Industrial 7. And at one point in the show, we see that the leader of this um, foundation... What was his name again, Chris? Carathis? Cardius. Cardius. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he is actually making a super secret mobile suit in there. And it looks like something for um, new types because we see a point where he's actually in like the little jump seat next to the pilot uh, testing this out. And the Xeon remnants are going there to get delivery of what's called Laplace's box. Right. And uh, during this whole time, uh, Londo Bell, which is active, and we remember from Char's counterattack being commanded by uh, Bright Noah. Oh, 
Uh, yet, but yet, Bright Noah is only mentioned, not uh, seen in this. Uh, they launch an attack to, uh, you know, thwart the the Zeon remnants along with uh, this other kind of strike team called was it Akos? Akos? Akos. Akos. And uh, they're kind of uh, another uh, super uh, special arm of the Federation military. And uh, while all this is going on, we see Banneker and his friends, a lot of his friends kind of get uh, wiped out, reminiscent sure. of um, uh, some of the events that uh, happened in the first Gundam. And um, Minus the Frablo slap. Yeah, minus oh. the Frablo slap. Damn. And we see that um, you know a big, huge battle erupts within the Xeon remnants and Londo Bell. And the Ecoas, and um, you know, a lot of people are getting wasted, and um, we see kind of the mystery behind the Vist Foundation, and a little bit about the Unicorn, and um, some of the connection that Boniker and Carreras or Car- Carthus has, and nice. um, you know, basically. A lot of great action sequences. We're not going to give too much about what's going on because I'm sure we'll talk about it in our analysis here. And um, we, it ends with uh, the revel, the um, revelation of the Unicorn Gundam and all the way into destroy mode. And, Chris, this is going to be a six-episode OVA, and the first episode covered, which was basically the first two, cha- first two volumes of the eight-volume book correct uh it's 10 volumes and from what i've heard 10 volumes i'm sorry yeah it covered the first two volumes in that one episode so if there's anything of importance i missed let me know now but i will put it to you guys for some of your thoughts and analysis of the first episode of gundam unicorn i'll I'll volunteer to let sobro go first okay (laughs) well but that's that's awesome as always i take point (laughs) (laughs) hey man that's uh that's how it goes. Nice. We gotta find where the snipers are somehow. Sweet. <laughs> you ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I sat down and watched this. Um, you know, when the when the Blu-ray hit, and um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, I was I was definitely caught up in the spectacle of seeing UC. Um, in in even a more even a more gorgeous format than Shores Counterattack. I mean, um, and 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 granted, Shores Counterattack still holds up as like. One of the one of the best anime movies that I've ever seen, and you know the level of quality of animation. But it was nice to see an even more modern looking take on uh, a UC based series. And um, watching it, you know, it, it it to me, Unicorn seemed like a throwback or a love letter to all things um, UC Gundam. You know, you had all these tropes in there like uh, keys in the ignition. Although it, it was it was explained how that happened, and you know. <laughs> father and son and father makes your your son a suit you know unintentionally but your son ends up in it anyway and um the other things like you know haro is man's best friend and um he, the main character meets up with the mystery girl and there's even other um homages in in it um i don't know if they were intentional or not to uh macross um there's a key scene where uh boniger uh meets uh audrey byrne for the first time and um, the way he does is that he new types of presence, and um, he jumps into a, a mech that's not his. I guess one of those little uh, training suits, and um, he saves her as she's in a death fall <laughs> after she's caught up in the, um, the 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 colony's gravity well. 
and she's falling to her doom. He uh, jumps into a suit and saves her in mid-flight as he opens up his cockpit and pulls her into it and makes a crash landing, a la um, Hikaru from Macross, uh, when he saved uh, Min Mei in the in the first or yeah in the first episode. No man, it's like when 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 Alto he saved freaking uh, Ranka because yeah that was first. That Hikaru guy is just a cheap ripoff of Alto. Cheap ripoff of him and many other people. To me, it, he seems kind of like a, a blend between Hikaru and um, Hikaru and Camille because he looks so much like Camille. Uh, be, be Don. I'm speaking, of course, of the lead uh, Banniger Links, uh, Banniger Links, I should say. But um, he seems to me, my first impressions on his character, he's he's really, he seems to be a bit more laid back than your most of your Gundam pilots. He doesn't seem to have too many chips on his shoulder, um, and he seems pretty devoted to a girl he just met. You know, it looks like he's you know willing to to do things for her, like protect her and and make sure she makes it out all right. And if that means piloting the um the unicorn, as I'm sure the the show is going to 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 progress with him doing, you know, I, I don't think he's going to well, be too. You saw the end of episode one. No right? doubt, no yeah, doubt. He, he was piloting the unicorn. I'm just I'm making presumptions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being that he's bonded to the suit because his father, of course, um, he made he made it sure that he's the only one that's going to be able to pilot it once he um. Once he locked the uh, the controls to respond to him and him alone, but um, he seems like a pretty cool lead. I think things came a little too easy for him, <laughs> but again, we only had an hour worth of show, so things had to move fast, which I think is one of the the boons for the series. I guess some people could look at all the uh, all the tropes that are are presented in this show as as a negative, but to me, it just seems like you know they were trying to capture the magic that so many other Gundam series have brought along, and we just got a Gundam series that was pretty different with Double O. So um, it was nice to see, you know, going back to UC that some things just don't change. And um, I'm sure we'll get into it further, but I'll let Chris uh, go into his his impressions of uh, Unicorn. Well, you know, being that I'm a, a UC elitist, as the Internet has made so clear <laughs> over the years. You must uh, love it, this, then. It, it was the most amazing thing ever, and I, 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 in my review, as you saw, I gave it 100 out of 5. Nice. Yes. <laughs> And and everything else that has come before or will come since is garbage compared to this. And every alternate universe that ever has existed and ever will is garbage. Man. Now now that glorious UC is back to um, you know shine the light down upon the heathens of the alternate universes. To to, to show to show these alternate universes how to be Gundam. To to show these these worshippers of of these golden calves. Yes. What. The true word of our Lord Tamino is yes, and the word Tamino wrote the uh, the Ten Commandments on the on the two uh, beam shields and sent them down to whoever the director is of uh, Unicorn. He, he he wrote the Ten Commandments on the uh, the Operation V manual. <laughs> <laughs> that big ass that big ass manual they had. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, you know, as you had mentioned in, in the beginning, Paul, uh, th- this is rather a momentous occasion because it's the first time in Gundam's 30-year history that an anime has been adapted from pre-existing material because uh, Gundam's always been kind of unique with some of these large franchises that um, it's never had anything adapted to anime form before from a pre-existing work. Yeah, and, and let's and let's clarify, there are mangas of most of the shows in Gundam, but those came after the show premiered or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. It, weren't, it wasn't the adapted from the manga offering. Yeah. So. The, the closest is um, Char's Counterattack being based on one of Tamino's um, novels, but there's a lot of differences between the two. So, 
You know, it's not like a straight-up adaptation, and it was never, like, uh, plugged as such. So, that 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 is, um, you know, rather important that Sunrise finally uh, decided to do that. But then again, if you remember back to about three or four years ago when the novels premiered, and they put so much effort into pimping these things. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they, they brought back Yaz to do the character designs. They had Katoki doing the mecha designs. It seemed that if they were ever going to change that policy and make an anime out of something, it was Unicorn. Yeah. yeah. Especially since it was so high profile with having a very famous Japanese writer doing the story. Who you said is like the Tom Clancy of the Japanese writing scene? I think he's been <laughs> described in terms of, uh, you know, I've never read anything by, by Fukui because I don't think anything's been translated in, into English, but uh, I think he's been described in terms of, um, you know, popularity and numbers of, Books that he sold this sort of being like the Michael Crichton of Japan. Oh, okay. You yeah. think? Um, do you think that Unicorn might have been proposed years ago, got passed up for another project, and they decided to go the novel route, um, with with this, I guess, with the story, and then you know, through that way, it just caught fire, and you know, it finally spurred interest in having an anime. Finally, do you think that might have been the process that that might have happened behind the scenes? I don't think so, because yeah. uh, despite the the some of the old Gundam tropes that Unicorn employs. Mm-hmm. It has a very different feeling from the rest of animated UC yeah. that I don't think it would have been conceived as an anime beforehand. But certainly I think they had it uh, in mind to do this because I remember um, there being comments from Fukui saying that he hopes that um, it can be... You know, He said this years ago he hoped it could be uh, turned into an animated work for the 30th anniversary of Gundam and... Lo and behold. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure it, it was there was some type of thought behind the people in Bandai and Sunrise when it came to this because yeah. if you have the opportunity to have such a well-known writer to do something within your franchise, um, even if you don't have plans of doing it as animated, I mean, right there, I'm sure just for the fact of his name recognition alone, it probably made it a bestseller <laughs> just from that outside of being a Gundam story. Yeah, and I think they had this conceit from the get-go because there have been plenty of Gundam novels over the years and I've never seen them put so much effort as they did into uh, a novel as they did with Unicron. I mean, they pretty much treated it as if it was a show. It got its own website. You know, it had all of these uh, illustrations by Yaz. It had, you know, all these, as I mentioned, these designs by Katoki that they started making kits of eventually. So, Like immediately, it seemed like. yeah, You could tell that Unicorn was going to be different from, you know, say, like, a Sentinel or an Advance of Zeta or any of these other plethora of Gundam novels that you see out there. Yeah. And in terms of the actual anime adaptation, you know, unfortunately, since Unicorn has not been translated, you know, we can't make um, any comparisons between how something was handled in the novel versus this. But what you can see is, um, you know, when something's been adapted, even if you haven't read the source material, you can see if the story makes sense in and of itself, in its own context as an anime. Yeah. yeah. You know, as in, you know, does the story flow from A to B to C and make sense? Exactly. Does it feel like there's something huge missing here that I should be told, but I'm not being told? Mm-hmm. Right. And in watching Unicorn, which moves at a pretty breakneck pace for the 55 minutes that it runs, uh, I don't get that feeling at all. You know, it tells a story that, that starts and gets going. You know, um, you've got this prologue that uh, is at the very dawn of the universal century and uh, as I think I noted in my review that uh, I guess it's fitting that um, the universal century was inaugurated with bloodshed yeah yeah because 
that's the whole that's the whole history of that timeline. Nothing but bloodshed. And <laughs> it's interesting that you know we're in this time right after Char's counterattack, but it's tied together with the very beginning of the Universal Century. And the story, what I like that it kind of turns its head from the traditional Gundam conflict is that instead of the um, factions just outright fighting each other, you have them all chasing after a MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, you got Londo Bell trying to keep a lid on things. You've got this Echoa's task force trying to seize Laplace's box by itself. You've got um, the Neo Zeon sneaking around kind of like the Aeug to get this thing. You've got the Vist Foundation trying to pursue its own agenda. So you have all these different factions, and they're all after the same thing. And I think that makes for a nice change of pace from, you know, we're space people, so we're going to fight you Earth people. And, and what's funny, too, is one of the things I noticed right away from that is the fact that Londo Bell had no problem fighting inside that colony. Like, Jesus. you know, in, in previous Gundam entries, and you see it always seemed like one side was always worried about having a fight within the colony. Lando Bell did not care. Yeah, or they'd at least say, don't use beam weapons, or, yeah. you know, use a beam saber and aim for a cockpit, but these guys just didn't give a crap. Yeah. <laughs> All the rules went out the window, man. <laughs> or, or blowing up mobile suits uh, in close proximity outside of the colony. Yeah, mm-hmm. that too. I, I think it, it. I think it shows the natural progression of if you were to, if you're in a time period and you had war after war, as kind of like what we have here, and the fact that the people that are trying to get control of these remnants, they just, they've just gotten to the point and say, you know what, we've got to be just as bad and just as nasty as they are. Jeez. This is the only way that we can can do it. And you know, unfortunately, as we see in Unicorn. A lot of people get wasted, <laughs> including uh, you know. I thought a, a, a great sad little scene was the um, the Anaheim professor yeah. getting vaporized while saving all of the other people by locking them into the emergency shelter. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little touch because the guy only had maybe about two minutes of screen time ranting about history and and the one year war, and then you see him evacuating these people, and you know. He puts himself out there, closing the door from the outside. And, it, and it, it, to, make, to make sure that they're safe. To save them. And he could have, to make sure they're safe, because he could have been trying to seal himself in there and then exactly. gotten them all killed. And, it, and it's funny, because he's one of the few like older adults that you see throughout the whole thing. And it's like, you know, he was probably around even, you know, when he was younger, he was around the one-year war. And it's like... For whatever reason, either you don't know, but you get kind of the gist that maybe he was kind of more of the cowardly type of guy throughout his life and just kind of took, you know, maybe took care of himself. And uh, he has that last little um, heroic thing there. So uh, moving on, um, you know, there certainly are some some similarities here to previous Gundam entries. Um, you know, yes, Spaniger is the the young new type, and he's got some. Some daddy issues, but in a different way. Yeah. yeah. Because um, unlike Amuro and Camille and Judo and Uso and Seabook and all of these guys, you know, he's he's a guy who's looking for, you know, a place to belong and uh, a reason to do something. Whereas these guys kind of all have, you know, some sort of issue with their family and they're all drawn into a conflict against their own will. And later on, they all keep fighting in that conflict because they come to believe what it is that they're fighting for. But Banagher jumps into this whole thing with Audrey from the get-go willingly. Yeah. Well, it's because he, he really, you know, at that point, we re- it's kind of 
you know, you hear about it in, in talking with his uh, friends and stuff that he really doesn't have anybody. Like he doesn't know his father. He was just kind of dropped off at the, at the school. Yeah. Because they, they were talking, what is it? When he was, when he went off, they're like, well, we hope he doesn't get expelled because he's got nowhere to go. So, I mean, when you flash back to his past though, you think it's all ingrained into his subconscious. I mean, he, he's starting to remember bits and pieces of his past as a child when he did live with his father. And, you know, is, is it, is it some, self-desire to, to, to fulfill a role as 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 this knight you know to, to i guess to fulfill his family legacy or you know to do what he's destined to do or you, you think is is more so what's in his heart i mean i guess this, these are answers these are questions that the series will answer as you go along but well i think you know he's you know he's like any any young guy who any young person who they want to know what their place in the world is yeah. because you know when uh you know when Cardius is is grilling him at the mansion, he says, "You know, you you say you want to help this girl, but do you even know who she's running from or why?" Exactly. And you know he's just saying, you know, I I don't care what it is, and you know I just want her to say that she needs me. Yeah, yeah. Which you know is is sort of like uh, it's as much you know his desire to do something as it sort of is a call for help because he wants to feel like someone needs him for something. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, he's he's had uh, an absentee father his whole life, but um, he doesn't have that resentment towards his dad that um, Amuro or Camille did because Amuro and Camille had dads who were both around but were both very kind of cold and impersonal. Yeah. yeah Especially much. Camille's dad who <laughs> was just a dick and and uh and you know did things with his dick. <laughs> yeah, Letcher. <laughs> yeah. True to life. <laughs> Margarita. <laughs> so that's interesting. That you know, um, I found it interesting that uh, that Banneger does not have any resentment to his dad for not being there, and you know that he's out there to want to find what it is he wants to do with his life and that he just jumps into this whole thing with Audrey not knowing at all what it is he's getting into and just going with it. So that's 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 an interesting departure from the previous Gundam heroes. A stark difference I, uh, with with Banneger too is um, the touching moment him and his father share right before his father dies. Yeah. And um, which is unlike you know the other people that we mentioned where you know they kind of get real distance with their dad <laughs> before their their inevitable demise. I know uh, in Camille's case he was trying to save his father, but you know. But then his father's trying to kill him. Exactly. And, and then um, Amuro, you know, his dad, he sees succumb to space madness. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> Giving him uh, a piece of junk to help the Gundam. It's a piece of junk! <laughs> yeah. You know, Seabook uh, uh, blames himself for getting his dad killed, which, mm-hmm. which yep. is true. You know, Uso's dad was also kind of a mystery man who just appeared every once in a while and then he died. Yeah. And hell, Judo, we don't even see his parents. Heck no. <laughs> Probably the worst of the bunch. And, and I, th- I think the other thing that makes uh, uh, that they give you a quick explanation and everything about that where they, you know, we, we finally get the the scope of all of these conflicts, how much they have affected the population and how there's this change where it would make sense at this point where younger people, especially in their late teens are having to start their lives earlier because, you know, there's just nobody there. I mean, that during that classroom session that, that instructor talks about like, Oh, you think you're just going to get by because there's, um, you know, hundred percent employment here. 
and you know you, you need to know stuff instead of just you know knowing that you're going to get a job just because everybody's shorthanded and it shows a little bit with Banniger because yeah he's 16 or 17 years old but the fact of yeah he's been on his own and then the whole thing with this the you know the situation that's in Universal Century we have you know these these kids are having to grow up a lot quicker now because they just have to you know and and it's being expected of them more so what i think is interesting is um as as it is in the real world the level of political apathy that uh, yeah. these kids have because you know they make a note that all of these kids were born right after the one year war yeah. but you know they all must have growing up have felt some of the effects of that and as they were growing up you had three pretty major conflicts happening the the grips conflict and the two neo zeon wars but these kids they just have this attitude of eh, whatever wars <laughs> you know they just have this like don't care attitudes like you, you don't think that these things are important when you have people running around with super weapons throwing asteroids yep. on earth and that's yeah. just that doesn't affect your life at all you're just running through your dumb teenage life completely oblivious to reality the, the fact that when they're they're in the museum and they see the zaku and it's like oh what's this stupid thing it's like you know that this is like the the base the base mobile suit from all mobile suits that came, you know, after or based on, and like you said, those the, they've had all those wars and hell, the, the Zaku in some type of shape or fashion is that was seen for you know last couple of years. It's yeah, fitting. I mean, I wouldn't expect a teenager from now to recognize, say, uh, uh, a P fifty one Mustang. Yeah, but for Christ's sakes, given that mobile suits are the main weapon of war in the Universal Century, and they've been such a big part of you know, the last, you know, nearly 20 years of history and how many of them are big mono-eyed things all descended from the Zaku. How could you just be that dumb and not know what a Zaku is? Because it's only 17 years. It's only 17 years since the one-year war. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that in the world of the Universal Century, there have been plenty of, you know, as we do in our world, there probably have been many fictional accounts made of the one-year war. Oh, yeah. You know, they probably have their own... Uh, you know, Band of Brothers or, or Saving Private Ryan of the One Year War. How do you Igloo. Yeah. They watch Igloo. And, and uh, you know, first-person shooter games in, in virtual reality in 3D or something. So how do you not know what a Zaku is? Yeah. But I think it's interesting that they have that level of apathy despite the fact that they should just obviously know more about these things. Pretty much. Yeah. I'm sure part of that, though, too, is it's, it seems you get a gist also just a little bit that everybody is trying to kind of forget everything. Mm-hmm. And trying to move on. So. Well, I mean, that generation is the sum of all those conflicts. Um, ironically, though, or I'd say fitting um, that the one kid that did give a damn about that Zaku is one of the kids that survived. I guess. <laughs> I guess it goes to show. Um, maybe maybe those other kids should have given a damn. But then again, um, it was just a toss up <laughs> with the way all those kids got murdered. To butcher a phrase, uh, those who do not know mobile suits are doomed to be killed by them. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Ma'am, that's going to get tweeted. (laughs) Sure, why not? Um, One of the things that I found most interesting was that they finally encapsulated what uh, Tamina was working towards all of the time with um, his exploration of new types, which is the evolution from them being these advanced people who could understand each other and live without conflict to being little more than weapons to use in war. Yeah, Yeah. ace pilots. Yeah, and even though you see that, the way he treats them in Zeta, Double Zeta, moving on, and then jumping far into the future with F-91 and victory, you see that that's apparent, but no one in the universe 
ever actually acknowledge that. Yeah, nobody admitted that that was the case. So it's interesting the way that you know Cardius is having this uh, this conversation with uh, with uh, Zinnerman from the Neo Zeon, and is you know pretty much laying that out exactly that uh, you know the Federation perverted the idea of the new type from what people originally thought it was to just being synonymous with an ace pilot. Yeah. And that that's the way people view new types. And you see that in the way they talk about new types later on. You know, the, I think with one of the quotes from F91 was, oh, new types, you know, they were um, something like, they were uh, ace pilots with unhappy lives. Yeah. And Unicorn being set in that gap between Charles Countertick and F91, I think with this exploration of new types, is kind of laying it down and explaining why it is that later they become rarer as time goes on and as humanity has been in space versus the opposite of seeing them develop more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts, Chris? Uh, one thing that was very impressive is the, the animation. Oh, yeah. man. You know, this thing was, was made for, for high definition, and it shows when you watch it on Blu-ray. It is just, it's gorgeous. I mean, from the, from the shots of the, um, I mean, and this is what I was looking forward to the most, but the shots of inside the cockpit. Because, you know, we saw a glimpse of that in Char's Counterattack and in Zeta and Double Zeta, but in this one, you get the, you get the, the light and shadow playing a factor. You, you've, you know, all the, all the events going around the pilot. Um, the G-forces are like the, the coolest thing when you watch it, when you watch it in action on, on, on Gundam Unicorn, when you see the G forces play a factor and and those uh, airbags kick in when they're taking impact and you know just how it all plays in, in, into to piloting one of those suits, it, it Unicorn really really makes that you know really really shows that off and I, I, it's gorgeous to say the least. Anything? Another thing that goes hand in hand with that uh, really nice fight choreography. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh... And grunt pilots that can actually fight. You know, they may not win, but they can actually put up a pretty good fight against all the aces. How often do you see something like uh, in any Gundam, whether it's Universal Century or or an alternate universe, where uh, that Stark Jagan puts up a pretty decent fight against the Kshatriya and lasts for more than you know thirty seconds? And actually, kind of pushed her to her limits a little bit. Yeah. To having to resort to just you know spam weapons and stuff like that. So. Exactly, and also should mention the uh, the music is very well done, yeah. and yep. soundtrack is great, and everything just fits the scenery, you know, the battle music, the dramatic scenes, very well done, and so it just comes together for for a very nice package overall. Yeah, it certainly does. Well, some of my thoughts on it, I, I pretty much agree with a lot of the things that you guys have noted. Um, you know, in addition to the animation, where it looks like you know it keeps that same type of style that we had. Uh, with the previous Gundam, UC Gundams, and, um, you know, they just didn't go, like, the seed route or, uh, you know, to, to, to make it look like today's animation. It, Everybody have the same face. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, and, 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 it, and it, looks, it looks like the world, you know, it, it just kind of gives it that aspect where you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's Universal Century. It's a brand new show. It's been done in high definition, but it's Universal Century because you can just tell by the nuances with the clothing and and the the face the facial features and and, and even the hair and um, but you know <laughs> the fact that everybody that um, 
is is a main character or, or supporting character has a full head of hair while everyone else in the background has like bu- buzz cuts. <laughs> that's always funny. That's a throwback to the seventies and eighties, man. That's, that's pretty much. It really is. It's it, it's a trip to see nowadays because um you used to like you know modern anime and and to see Yaz you know get work again is 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 always a plus in my book and and to see it, what you brought up, man. It's I I've got no problem with that to be honest. <laughs> I mean, in terms of with the story, I think it's I think it's a good story. Like I said, I don't have anything to base it on. I just go by what I've heard with the unicorn story and everything like that. But I, I do like the presentation that they did. Uh, um, I know I have heard people say that the first couple, the first like quarter, first third of the show is a little slow. Um, I guess it is to a point, but you know it. It, it does kind of do a nice explanation of why things of, um, you know, it kind of gives you the backstory, kind of ties everything up and, you know, and answer a lot of the questions we've always had uh, dealing with Universal Century and especially like what you were stating about the new types, Chris. I mean, uh, just that quick little, I think it was maybe like a 30 seconds of dialogue that he has talking about new types, like just kind of summed up everything, the, the eternal question that people have been asking for like the last 30 years. Uh, with new types, um, you know, but I think probably my biggest, I, I, the big beef I got with this show is the fact is, is my beef with Bandai because, um, and I guess we could kind of get into this is dealing with the release schedule that it's going to be released in fall of 2010. What we don't know what fall of 2010 is. And, you know, you're talking about six months from now, this is a six episode show. And, you know, if they follow that type of schedule, is this going to be like three years from now that it's going to be over with? It's Macross Zero all over again, man. And and the the other thing is is something that we didn't state was this was supposed to be released in winter of last year. Yeah, so true. it got pushed back already. And I applaud them for doing the simultaneous worldwide release of the Blu-rays and stuff like that. But you know, you're you're generating all this attention, but it's one of these things where okay, we watch it now. I have to wait six months from now. I'm pretty much going to have to rewatch it again. And really, in all honesty, you might even forget about it because your life does go on. And um, maybe they'll have a previously on Unicorn Gundam. There is no life beyond Gundam. <laughs> Gundam is everything. I don't know. There is nothing else in this world ever. I mean, I, I, and, and, and I think that that is, I think that that's a, a big problem, especially when you live in the kind of ADD culture that we live in now where, you know, I don't want them to to skimp on you know the cinematics and stuff just to meet a schedule but the fact that we just know that okay well it's just going to be in the fall okay great the fall you know it's like what's that the end of the end of september the end of october november what hey, what is the fall i, so. I mean i i rather them not announce some kind of date that won't come true and then they um end up having to tell us that it's going to come later i mean fall is kind of vague but you know it at least puts me in the mindset that we might be seeing it as late as November. So, <laughs> um, I I don't like the fact that it's taken so long. I, I, I but then again, I Sunrise is a pretty competent studio. I, I don't I don't think it's a good way of treating a franchise, and especially with something that's coming with so much hype and you're doing so much too. Yeah, but and I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Double O looked pretty damn good throughout its whole run, and that was a lot more. Uh, episodes and a lot shorter turnaround time and you know and 
And, you know, that that's just kind of a beef that I have is the fact of, you know, it's like, okay, you were t- everybody's been talking about us, everybody wanted it, you gave it to us, but now you're going to sit here and make us wait really unnecessarily. And, and the fact of, I mean, six months, mm-hmm. two, twice a year, and it's six episodes? I mean, three years from now? Are you really going to be caring three years from now about this? It could be due to financial reasons, too. I mean, they may want to get it's a, 55 you know, minutes, a, dude. It's a not decent that. return on, on, the, on the first OVA before they put out the next one. I mean, it could, it could determine how well animated it is. And Sunrise is not stuff. hurting for money. Uh, and not, this was a guaranteed I mean, success. It's already one of yeah. the top-selling Blu-rays in Japan, so it's not like yes. they're not taking a risk here animating this. So that's I, that's really not an issue for me. It doesn't really bother me because I watch lots of things. So either way, if Unicorn was, you know, two times a year or once every other month, I'd have gone and watched other things in the meantime, and then just come back to Unicorn. But I can see, you know, if they're trying to market this to um, non-fans, which they sort of seem to be doing in America, yeah. that it's going to be hard to sustain a level of interest. Yeah, That's I mean, and, and, and I'll watch stuff in between, too. It's not a big deal, but it's just like, I don't know, it just seems very... And I was... I went through the whole Macross Zero thing, and, <laughs> you know, it. after a while, it's like, oh, I almost didn't care even to finish it, and it was just like, you know... And that's just my thing. It's like you know, it's you're and, and like you said, you're you're you're. It looks like you're trying to market it a little bit more to non-fans, but you know, just to make people wait like that is just going to be. I don't know. I think sometimes it's stuff's counterproductive. You don't want to rush things, but then I don't understand the whole idea of really not you know just kind of doing it because it's going to take them six months to do a fifty-five episode show. <laughs> fifty-five minutes. Or fifty-five minutes. I'm sorry, fifty-five minutes. So, well, hey, you um, know, you you want high quality animation like what they put out there. You know, you you gotta wait for it. But uh, I guess my perspective is a little different from the typical consumer because with MAHQ, I'm gonna re- I have to watch this stuff anyway to review it. So, right, yeah, I have no choice but to wait. <laughs> so, you know that that that's my perspective. So. What bugged me was, um, you know, I pre-ordered it on Amazon. I don't have a problem paying 35 bucks for a Blu-ray. It's better than, you know, importing it from Japan if they were charging 8,000 yen for it, which is what something like this would typically go for. However, um, I was pretty underwhelmed with uh, the extras hey. or, or the lack thereof because um, there's no on-disc extras, extras. You have to go to BD Live and you have this little menu where you can download uh, things like a 10 meg still photo of full frontal that just says volume two coming fall 2010. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> and it's a close-up. It's not even like yeah. a full picture of them. You can download um, trailers at a couple of hundred megs each of all of the different promotional trailers that were put out there for volume one of Unicorn, which makes me wonder... Why the hell didn't you just put this crap on the disc anyway? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a friggin' Blu-ray. You're not hurting for space. You just have you just have the one 55-minute show on there. So. You have the one 55-minute show. Yeah, you got four different audio tracks, but on a 25-gig Blu-ray, I think that gives you enough space for like five minutes of trailers. Yeah. To put that on disc, you know, I don't need um, you know some giant making of documentary showing everything but it would have been nice to have those those tr- those trailers on disc or the little bonus uh you guys remember a few years ago when the novels came out they did a 
little short, like, four-minute animated video. Yeah. yeah. Which, if you go back and watch it now on YouTube, is very different from... Yeah, what, what this was, yeah. <laughs> what, what this turned out to be. But something like that would have been a little bit nice. Or, like, a little primer on, you know, Universal Century for newcomer fans. So... I hope that with uh, future volumes that they do a little bit more with the extras because they didn't great. even have anything with um, like the mobile suit files or anything like that. I don't remember seeing anything like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So something like that would be a little bit more uh, appreciated, a bit more effort in that because it was just uh, a little disappointing. It'd yeah. have been really cool to have a, a behind the scenes on um, the origin of the of the series and you know to, to have them talk to uh, the novel uh, the the author and the people who um, directed and uh, animated it. And it, it had been, you know, of course it all had to have been, you know, subtitled and whatnot, but it would have been yeah, a I mean, really cool insight. I mean, about the, the years in between when the novel started to the production of the anime and to the finished product, you know, that, that whole thing, or even commentary would have been nice. And that would have been, you know, really cheap and easy to do. <laughs> but uh, we didn't get any of that, did we? Well, the only thing I can think of is uh, because of the fact that, Bandai lowered the price for this um, Blu-ray release worldwide because they mm-hmm. typically do not charge five thousand yen for Blu-rays in Japan. They go way higher than that. Wow! So I think uh, in in typical corporatism, they uh, corporate logic, they cut back on um, some of the features because of the fact that they were cutting their price and their profit margin. Yeah, and they and and they didn't want the fan since Japan and America are on the same. Region, they didn't want the fan buying it, you know, the Japanese fan buying it off the American websites. <laughs> so, because it probably in the end, even with shipping, would probably uh, um, be cheaper than what they were charging. So, yeah, so I think in the end, because we got uh, a cheaper product worldwide, we also got a bit of a lesser product because of that price cut. So, yeah. that's just my opinion, but you know, given the way uh, corporations act especially japanese ones it's these sort of counterintuitive things that make the most sense yeah pretty much but um anything else of um this episode or anything that you're looking forward to in six months or so when <laughs> episode two comes out uh, i hope we get to see the uh, the sinanju and, and full frontal uh kicking some ass yeah that was one thing that was kind of you know uh you you didn't even really get I mean, we've all seen them because of you know stills and stuff previous. But you know, if if you're going to, um, you know, it's surprising that they didn't at least show like a, a computer readout or something like a file pick of him. You know, like somebody looking on the computer or something like that. But I guess it just further uh, enters the man and mystery type of uh, deal that they're trying to do with him. Well, hey, the man's name is Full Frontal for Christ's sake. So that- yeah, it's all going to be out there. So. Mask, mask aside, that just makes him mysterious. Exactly. <laughs> if anything, he'll show up at the end of Volume Two. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so Solbro, does Unicorn get the um, the guarantee, the, the 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 guarantee, the seal of approval? I'm I'm leaning towards yes. I mean, for any 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 um any Gundam fan, uh, especially anybody who's enjoyed UC series. It's um a series that will definitely intrigue you and entertain you for the um for the neophyte. Would I suggest that to them? Um, I, I mean, it re- really, you start off with, you don't really have to have much of a a previous knowledge of Gundam. You appreciate the series no- more if you do, um, if you have a, a previous knowledge of other UC series. But you can jump into this 
without any kind of um, background knowledge and, and, and probably still enjoy it, especially if you like mecha anime and Gundam in general. So I'd say yes. I, I would I would I would give it the Soul Bro guarantee. So it gets the Soul Bro guarantee. That's oh right. Boy. <laughs> so dear High listeners, um, if you have any complaints about Unicorn and <laughs> and you want um, you want a refund for for your, your time uh, your money, or if not your money, your bandwidth, if you're one of those types of people. Oh. Please uh, send all correspondence to sbrmahq at gmail.com. He'll answer everything for you. He'll answer I- everything, and he'll he'll deal with all of your customer service issues. Yeah. I can't wait to the four ch- for the 4chan email. <laughs> 4chan hate mail. <laughs> can't wait. Can't well, they actually wait. like it right now, don't they, Chris? Uh... Who knows what anyone likes? It's kind of mixed, but I, th- I think there's more praise than and, until probably a month from now. We'll probably get, you know, <laughs> Of course, uh, you know, after some of the novelty wears off, then you have to start hating it because, yeah. of course, you know, you got you got to keep things going. Once, once, once you laughing. find out other, you know, non non anime fans have watched it, enjoyed it, then it's not cool anymore. Of so. course. Typical. All right. Well, if there's nothing else dealing with uh, Unicorn One, uh, what was it? Day of Unicorn was a, what it was called, Chris, mm-hmm. I believe. So um, that's it. And uh, I guess we'll definitely be looking forward to all of the responses on the Mecha Talk forum because we have six months to really uh, go scene by scene. <laughs> and always remember, too, if you need any scene by scene analysis, send your uh, analysis to sbrmhq@gmail.com. Solbro right appreciates that because because um, you know I might as well announce on Solbro's behalf that he will be recording a scene specific commentary for episode one of Unicorn <laughs> that you can run alongside the episode exactly. Exactly. and it'll be all all him all him <laughs> all him hey it doesn't sound like a bad idea oh wait before hmm. we go there's one thing we neglected to do Uh-oh. oh his man get the what yes <laughs> yes and who would that be you know you know um. I'm not going to say uh, Banniger's friend, the mobile suit enthusiast, because he's kind of cool. Yeah. So what I'm going to say is that uh, twitchy nerved dumbass Girazulu pilot who, uh, who was oh. a punk and got himself killed. Yeah, what was that all about? The- I, 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 I mean, I guess before we go, what was that all That guy just completely lost tweak. Goofball. He was on some type of goofballs or something. I think something. he might have been on Xeon uh, Tic Tacs. Nice. Holy God. It's like... Flipped. I mean, they, like they what don't kind even... of a what kind of a veteran is this guy? Where he's like, oh, there's some enemy mobile suits. Ah, ah, ah! It's all you Earth people with your soul held on by gravity. Blah. They don't even see him, and they're not even caring about him. And it's just like he just flips the complete f out, and it's like, man, you pull the like, Chill down, chill down, buddy. Stop, stop popping the Xeon Tic Tacs. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, actually, I, originally when you're watching it at first, you thought it was kind of the instructor. But then he redeems himself by, you know, by giving up his life to save others. Nice. So yeah, that's that doesn't qualify as being Solbro's man because no. that uh, that shows cojones. <laughs> as usual, I don't agree <laughs> with your with y'all choice of Solbro's man. Hey, but you I know, you're the yet. one who started all this all, so you only have hey, yourself yeah. to blame. Hey, well, you're the one who, yeah. was, who was talking big about the Legend of King Arthur and going on about all of these pansies. So. Yeah. You know, when you look up, when you wake up in the morning and and, and look in the mirror, you want to blame someone for Sobro's men. Just look at who's in the reflection. 
I'm certain I will. And and the other thing, it looks like with Unicorn, we'll we'll have a new one each volume. <laughs> oh, what the hell? Because it looks like they just don't last that long in this. One. The disposable man. Yeah. So because it, we, we could even said some of those other kids, but some of those other kids got vaporized too. So, but um, all right. Well, anything else, Chris or Soulbro, before we move on and you know until the end of the year or maybe the beginning of next year when volume two comes out <laughs> nope so all right well that was our analysis and thoughts on uh gundam unicorn number one and uh, we'll be back in a little bit you're listening to gundam at nhq you see us uh, struggling in the car you walk up you open the door and you say, you're lying, George. Oh, uh, hey you, get your damn hands off her. You really think I ought to swear? Yes, definitely. Damn it, George, swear. Hello, this is Baku Alsu. Hey, this is Alvin Blade Hey, everybody, this is Mikhail from the uh, RRFDB podcast and uh, Row Row Fight the Power. We're here to uh, tell you about a podcast we have started. Uh, it is where us, your hosts, and most likely Saber will be here, and we will talk about your news or whatever we deem we wish to talk about, from the everyday to the uh, obscure. So check us out at rrfdppodcast.blogspot.com. And... Uh, uh, this is how we fight the power. Fight the power! I'll admit, though, the girl, uh, Jessie, she was pretty damn hot. Everyone wanted to get into her pants. If you say so, buddy. That anime, it should be buried and it should never come out again. Yeah, I swear to f***ing God, this anime is pure sh- And people were looking at me and one girl actually came up to me and said, What's a bonkai? I was very, very tempted to say my penis. Need a cake but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? Welcome back to the podcast that writes off more characters than Tomino Sensei doing your taxes. That's right, it's Gundam at MAHQ. And welcome back to the Golden Episode, Episode 50, where we um, took a trip back to the Gundam Boy Modeling School with um, our, our special guest host, Andrea Serrato from Tombopop.com, as we uh, discussed the different uh, 
segments of uh, modeling in Gundam with the different uh, the different skill grades. And um, also, we spoke about uh, we had finally reviewed the anime that must not be mentioned, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn. We gave our impressions of the first episode. Before we close this episode out, you guys have anything um, left to say at all in this special episode or fiftieth ep? I hope we're doing episodes by the time Unicorn ends, which will be two and a half years from now. <laughs> Something to strive for. Uh, I will say that by the time this episode uh, comes out, the new design of MHQ will have premiered, so I hope that uh, people like it and uh, leave their comments on it on the MechaTalk forums. So in 12 hours? <laughs> well, uh, accounting for Sobro speed... You guys are funny. <laughs> I'm assuming this episode won't be out by Thursday. Oh, man. It might be. It should be. Hold well, on. Well, if, if it is out, if it's out before Thursday then uh, ignore those comments of mine until Thursday. Yeah. If it's out after Thursday, then now you know what I mean. Give me a goal. Hold on to your butts. Okay. All right. But um, anything else, you guys? No. All right. Well, um, if anything, um, always head over to mahq.net. Just like Chris had brought up, uh, to see the the new design, if if or or when this episode gets posted, and um, also head on over to gundam.net to see the rundowns of all our episodes, and also mechatalk.net to post and contribute to uh, the forums there, especially the gundam dot um, gundam at mahq forum, and also check out um, our links on Facebook. Um, MySpace, blah blah blah, and um, you can find us on iTunes and Zoom, and you reach us by uh, email at gundammahq at gmail dot com. And I um I don't know if anybody noticed the uh, in the special episode, but I just want to give a shout out to um a producer in um Japanese hip hop that just passed away recently. Um, you guys might know him by, by the name of Nujibis. He actually contributed to the soundtrack of um, Samurai Champloo and um. They just announced that uh, he passed away recently in a car accident that happened last month. So I just want to give my pay my respects to that man. And um, some of the music you heard close out some of the segments in the episode nine, the Megacon episode, were um, instrumentals that he produced. So we're, we're ripping off his family estate by using I'm his just paying, music unauthorized. I'm just paying tribute. So if anything, he, I've listened to his music for years, and I just really want to give my props it's a good to thing him. He's not the Metallica of Japan. We already have a cease and desist. <laughs> Well, this is one time where I admit it. But um, other than that, I also want to give uh, props to uh, longtime listeners of uh, Flip the Script. Uh, may know of uh, Dr. Encyclopedia Black. That's uh, my brother Aaron, who's um, getting ready to move away from um, Florida to a new job over in North Carolina. I just want to wish him the best of luck and give him um, also some props. And That's it for me. If there's uh, nothing more to say, uh, I we that's thank it. you. No problem. We, we thank all our listeners for listening to this episode and all our episodes past of Gundam and MAHQ, and we'll see you guys next time. Amaro, you'll attack the enemy mobile suits with the Gundam and act as a decoy until we've completed our preparations. Understood. I'm counting on you. Ryu and Hayato, stand by in the gun tank. Kai, stand by in the gun cannon. We'll wait for a chance to attack the enemy's main forces, then wipe them out in a concentrated attack. Okay, all or nothing. Let's give it a shot. I just hope we don't get blown to smithereens before we get our chance. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. Oh, fighting for us! I can't believe
deflectron to the planet Evalon. Dead ahead.